it's Fat Albert. How's it going? Good. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the best podcast in the West. I took uh, two weeks off. I had some issues with uh, electricity and a water heater. But luckily I live in an apartment, so they fix it for me. Um, Anyway, I had on an excellent guest by the name of Kip Hart. He is a comedian out of San Diego. No, not San Diego. I keep saying San Diego. He is from Orange County, okay? Uh, He's been doing comedy 10 years. He is a professional, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if he calls himself a professional. I call him professional. Um, We got to sit down and pick his brain for a little bit. And we had some great conversations and got me uh, really excited about this uh, world of stand-up comedy, you know? So I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, I will lead off with uh, a stand-up clip. This is from Andrew Santino, Why You Should Never Poop at a Bar. Please enjoy. For years, I was sick and tired of going to a bar and seeing girls cut the bathroom line when theirs are too long. They walk to the guys and they go, Hi, our line's too long. Do you think me, can we cut? Is this chill if we cut? I know that's a stereotypical impression. I don't, I don't give a shit. That's real. Can we cut? That's real. And every asshole in line is like, oh, go ahead. Also real. Also real. Also a real impression of us. You go like that, we go like that, okay? Yeah. So guys, let him in. I'm tired of that shit, because we can't use your bathrooms. Guys can't use girls' bathrooms at bars. You can use ours. Why can't we use yours? The only thing I ever hear is, well, you pee on the seat. Do we? I don't. I don't pee on the seat. If you live with someone that pees on the seat, it's because they hate your fucking guts. (laughs) I'm sending you a message. Oh, no, you get the groceries, Karen, you fucking bitch. Fucking asshole. He's saying something to you. That's between you two. What do you think? You you think we walk in the bathroom, we just open it up and let it go, and it's like, ah, wherever it goes, it goes! I know where it goes, I got a laser pointer. I know precisely where it goes. (laughs) Right there. Pee on the seat. That's amazing, it's ridiculous. So that's, to me, I think the fix has always been remove the stalls from men's bathrooms in bars. Remove them. Urinals or just holes in the ground. It doesn't really matter. Guys will pee into anything. We don't really give a shit. But get the stalls out of men's bathrooms and bars because they shouldn't be there in the first place, okay? They should never have been there because a girl can't walk in now and use a urinal. Unless you can, ladies, and then I want to see it. If you can tippy-toe pee, I would love to see it. I I don't know if it's this way or that way. I don't know which way is better. But if you can do that, I want to check it out. (laughs) But there shouldn't be stalls in men's bathrooms and bars in the first place. Because who the fuck is pooping at the bar? (laughs) You're gonna poop at the bar? You're gonna poop here. Steve, you're gonna poop at the bar. The bar that we're at. You're gonna poop at this bar? You feel okay with that as a person? Pooping at the bar. Okay, now I know who you really are. Pooping at the, who are your friends? Who's your family? Go home, you animal. What are you? You pig person, poop at the bar? Out of your mind? 
You're gross. You're a gross human. You don't poop at the bar. You man up if you have to poop. You man up if you have to poop. You finish your drink, pinch it off, and you walk home so you can poop at the house naked like a grown-up. Like a full-grown adult. If you're pooping at the bar that I'm at and I see you doing that, I'm gonna walk in, look under, walk out, and go, hey, this guy pooping here wearing blue Adidas. Blue Adidas, yeah, he's pooping right now. And then leave you with your mistake. Why's everybody looking at my shoes? Because you pooped here, Mike. What's wrong with you? Get your life locked up. Okay, and we are recording. I am here with a new guest, a comedian. He's been in the game a long time, just visiting. Um, staying with his mother. He's from Orange County. Well, did comedy in Orange County. He's from El Paso. Uh, I'm here with Kip Hart. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Honored to be here. Uh, pleasure to be in uh, Amarillo. It's a temporary stop, like you said before, but uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So you've been doing uh, comedy, you said, uh, 10 years? About 10 years, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, started out, uh, a friend of mine, I don't know if you want the story or not, I work at Disneyland, and a friend of mine that used to work with me back in 2004, uh, he decided it'd be a good idea to put together, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a show with uh, with Jungle Cruise skippers. If you're not familiar with the Jungle Cruise, it's a boat ride at Disneyland. They have one at Florida too, but we're the original, so we like to like uh, prop that, put that in their face a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it's essentially they call it dad jokes, but it's just a lot of puns and just corny stuff. But it's a uh, it's a great place to develop a comedy skill if you're interested in doing that because you're doing if you're an eight hour shift, you're doing thirty sets a day. Eight oh, minute wow. sets. And so that adds up. Is that eight minutes? Are you giving someone like a tour? Yeah, it's a tour. So you okay. it's a boat ride. The boat holds about thirty people mm-hmm. and uh, you just tell them this it's a it's a scripted ride, but it's flexible as far as the script is concerned. It's you know, you can put your own personality into it. Mm-hmm. And I've written uh, quite a bit of material that's in there yeah. in the official script. So they've accepted some of my stuff and oh, I, awesome. I get to sign off and say I do not own any part of this it's not <laughs> it's all Disney owned stuff but yeah it's been uh, it's been quite a ride well, that's probably like a, a good feeling just to be like yeah that was my that was my joke yeah here are the people <laughs> use it too so yeah. some of the other skippers use the use the jokes and I oh I, you know, I wrote that so yeah. it's kind of, it just kind of fun that always feels good when you like give like another comic a tag and then you see them kill with it yeah like, exactly oh, nice oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah feels, exactly <laughs> yeah. like a proud parent exactly right yeah, yeah so that's pretty cool so that's how i got started the show was called skipper stand up and uh very successful it probably ran 10 years uh, at the end toward the the last half of the run i was i was booking the show with uh booking the skippers and then david uh, my good friend he um uh, he would uh, uh, open the show and kind of host it, and so we did uh, did a couple shows at the Bray Improv, mm, nice, and filled it up a couple of times. They're very happy with us because you know it's a midweek, it's a, a Sunday night show, so usually they don't get a lot of big crowds on Sunday night. So we were able to uh, uh, fill up the place. They, they, the old the old Improv Brea, they have uh, Hollywood uh, Brea and then uh, Irvine Improv. All mm-hmm. kind of in the same. Hollywood, of course, is in L.A., and then the other two are in Orange County. So, um, 
but they they moved the brand probably down just a block, maybe half a block down the street, and it's probably double the size now. It holds about seven hundred. Wow, around there, it's big. That is it's pretty massive. Big. I worked there. I worked there temporarily last summer. Uh, I was trying to. Uh, I wanted to be kind of like in the business a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized, oh man, I'm having to work every night that I need to be out performing. Yeah. So it didn't yeah. really fit my fit mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, but uh, it was fun. Man, Joe Coy. I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Coy. Yeah. Uh, he was there doing a run, and that guy is. When I first heard of him, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the, he he had sold out twelve shows in a row at Brea. Oh wow! At the older arena, at the older and that, that held about three fifty or four hundred yeah. at I mean, the time. I know he's doing extremely well. I watched uh, his last Netflix special. Yeah, this is just him. before he blew up. I've uh, seen a, couple, a lot of his interviews three or four years ago, and uh, I said, "Man, I got to go see a guy that sells out twelve shows in a row." So I went. And mm-hmm. They would let me come in. I could sit in the back and just kind of hang out, you know. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, oh my gosh. I was just like, this guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. So since then, he sold out a hundred plus shows in a row. Mm-hmm. So when they book him there, he it sells out like almost immediately. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. it's unbelievable. So and he just he got up there and just slays. It's mm-hmm. un, it's 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 interesting to watch. Yeah. So um, before I forget, you went to uh, you started out doing the uh, just at Disney World just doing jokes right then you went straight to the bray improv from there no we went uh we we there was a little theater in fullerton called the maverick theater and mm-hmm. most of the shows were there we kept selling out it, was, it seats about 80 that's awesome but we would we would uh uh sell 80 tickets and then more people would just show up mm-hmm. so uh we would just like let them come in and they people just sit on the floor so we'd probably be 100 people that's it's literally it's tiny theater but it was uh, and so then we started doing two shows a night. Uh, when we would do it, we'd book it every, every three months or so, you know? Wow. And so we do two shows a night. And then um, I started doing shows at Brea with some other comics mm-hmm. and got a good uh, rapport with them. And so I said, hey, we've got this show that we could book in here. We could fill this place up. And they That's said, awesome. all right, let's give it a try. And so they love us. They they want us to keep – they kept asking me, when are they coming back? When are the skippers coming back? You know, so it's a, it's a good show. It's a really fun – Fun time. It's not Disney mm-hmm. related, other than you know whatever you want to do. It's just you know Jungle Cruise Skipper is kind of like uh, Jungle Cruise unplugged in a way, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, so you're not. That's really cool. You're not limited to, you know. Nice. Is that um? How were you able to sell out so quickly? Was well, just, it's just uh, word of mouth. Word of you mouth. know, yeah, yeah, word of mouth. Uh, they put us on the marquee. It's kind of cool to see mm-hmm. the skipper show up on the marquee, and uh, you know, just you know, Facebook, social media, really. Yeah. It it like wildfire, wow. and but that's the, like. Within the first, I mean, I guess, how long were you doing the uh, working at Disney before you decided to, like, get on a microphone on stage and everything? Uh, well, David, it's only been a year. So, wow. David okay. asked me, so 2004, so, you know, I'm, I'll be 60 this year. So, I got a late start mm-hmm. for that. Cause I never even thought about doing comedy until he asked me to to do that first show. And I said, all right, I'll give it a try, you know. And mm-hmm. So, they uh, the way the setup was is uh, you get an eight-minute set. And that's uh, the same length of time you're in a boat on the way all mm-hmm. around the river. So it's about an eight-minute trip around all the way around. Nice. Is it pretty easy to transition those jokes? Um, no, it's a different kind of joke. Yeah. Different style. Um, I'd never written joke in my life. Mm-hmm. I was just using the the uh, material that they had presented to me. So I thought, 
And I wrote about eight minutes, and it worked pretty good. I was really happy nice. with myself. So he, he turned me on this book called The, the Comedy Bible by uh, Judy Carter. And it I've gives you kind of like, it's a really great book. You yeah, write that uh, down. And it kind of helps you with structure, and she kind of gives some, uh, it's just, I, it's one of the, one of the uh, best books I've read, read as far as, uh, you know, trying to develop a comedy mm-hmm. uh, style or whatever. So it was inter- very interesting. Nice. And you were able to just sell out shows from the jump. That's pretty yeah, That's you know, awesome. Disneyland's really popular in Orange County, uh, you know, in that area. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like the thing. So when it's, especially since it's closed now, it's closed, you know, Florida's open at limited capacity, but the, the California Disneyland is still closed. Uh-huh. So people are hurting for something to do because they would just, you know, there's a lot of, annual, most of the guests at Disneyland are local. Mm-hmm. They're not, uh, you know, like uh, Florida, it's people that, travel to is a, it's a destination place and yeah. Disneyland's not as oh. much of a destination place as California as I didn't know that. That's, yeah yeah that's interesting so most of the guests are local so they the, and a lot of annual pass holders and so they just you know mm-hmm. they just come in and take advantage of this it's it's pretty neat deal it's it's not super expensive when you when you uh, amortize it out mm-hmm. okay. number of visits and whatever you know uh it's actually a pretty good, pretty good deal. People and there's people that are just like fanatic about it. It's just, it's weird. It's kind of a weird cultish mm-hmm. kind of thing in a way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome how it worked out. So but you, yeah, uh, it worked out for me. And you know, just uh, matter of fact, I was kind of lazy for the first five years or so because I was just doing the skipper shows. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy, you know. It's, you know, you know, the expectation is. Uh, there's an expectation that it's going to be entertaining. So you had kind of like, you kind of set up for success. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like hard mm-hmm. uh, to be funny there. Even if you failed, you know, people would just, they got it and it was funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first show I did outside of our little safe bubble mm-hmm. was uh, at the Ice House in Pasadena. Another legendary place. Really cool. It's one of the older clubs as well. Yeah, I think um, from what I've heard, and this is just comedians talking to the comedians, but the Ice House is the oldest uh, club, that may be right. I think you may be right. It's small. It's not big either. It's got a. It's it probably the main room. Probably holds 120, mm. maybe 150. It's not real big. It's pretty compact. And then they have another room called the. They used to call it the annex. I think I don't know what they call it now. Maybe it is the annex. I don't know. But anyway, so this guy named Dave McNary. He's been there for 30 years doing this show on Sunday nights. And it's just like an offshoot, and it's on the smaller in the smaller room that seats about forty or fifty, I think. Mm-hmm. And you have to audition, so uh, we go in there, and you, and you get three minutes. And so I get up there, and I and I killed with a bunch of comics waiting. So I was auditioning. You know, comics is your audience because they're all waiting for their audition. Yeah, and it went really well. And so that uh, he he booked me on that show and. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was really neat. So that was kind of like my first time to kind of venture out of the safe safe zone, and that's kind of where I got started going. Perfect. And you said uh, you never thought about comedy before until it was uh, presented to you. No, I was a fan. Yeah. So did you, um, you know, ever have like a – did you always have like a good sense of humor? Yeah, always uh, looking back, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. – I kind of like – you know, I had different uh, forays into different stuff that – kind of set myself up for being that way but i was always kind of funny and you know, i wasn't the class clown but you know i was more i'm more subtle i'm not real outgoing mm-hmm. you know real 
uh, verbose or anything like that. So uh, I've done, I wrote for a little newspaper and I was, I did a top five list. So that's when Letterman was, his top 10 list was real, real big. So I did a top five list and mm-hmm. stuff like that that was just ridiculous. And um, nice. So, so yeah. Yeah. It's basically sketch writing. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. What, uh, you said you're from El Paso. What took you out to, uh, Orange County? Well, uh, I grew up in El Paso. I lived there till 85, so 25 years. So, um, I used to visit there in the summer. Uh, a friend of mine that I went to high school with, uh, was from California and he moved back, uh, late in, late in high school. So and for my birthday, I would fly out to Orange County. And he lived in Thousand Oaks, which was about an hour and a half north of there. Mm-hmm. And we'd all get together and go watch the Supercross at Anaheim at the Anaheim Stadium. Oh, that's awesome! It used to be always been it used to be in November. Now it's in January, I think, after Christmas. Uh, anyway, so I'd go out there because I was racing motocross at the time, so it was kind of a big deal. So we'd go out there, and then I'd visit him, and I just felt like. You know, it's kind of like some guys, some men feel like they're a woman on the inside. Well, I think I was a Texan, but I actually felt like I was a Californian on the inside because I just kind of, mm. I fit the vibe there. And it was uh, just, I've always been intrigued by it. So when I got the chance, I moved out there. I lost, I had a, I was working, I told you, I was talking about it earlier off, off mic. I was programming, I was working at a bank in El Paso and the bank went insolvent. And this one, there was a big banking crisis back in the mid eighties. Mm. A lot of banks went under and I was, involved in one of those in one of the banks in El Paso anyway and so I lost my job I was new there and so I, was, so I thought well this is the time so I packed up and uh, about a year later I packed up and moved to California and been out there ever since that's awesome yeah yeah I mean that you moved to the mecca of comedy you know on accident. yeah I didn't even know it <laughs> yeah exactly right you know it's like uh it's a man what a what a place uh Going to the comedy store. We used to go, me and a friend, we used to go every Monday night. We would trek out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Monday nights, they have um, another podcast, Kill Tony. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yeah. Have you been yeah. on there? Yeah. Oh, man. I got to go find the episode. Dude, I'm telling you, it's 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 such a blast. I probably uh, heard you and just don't remember because yeah. I've been listening for a solid three years. Okay. I don't know when we quit going. Maybe about three years ago we quit going. But we used to go every Monday night. So you go and... There's a couple of different things you can sign up for, but uh, one of them is for the original room, which mm-hmm. is um, they have three rooms. They have a main room, seats about 400. It's pretty big, mm-hmm. and then um, they have original room, which is it has different levels. It's kind of it's a weird layout, and then that's kind of like the the, the original room. There's a patio area on the outside on Sunset Boulevard, and then the original room they have a big window, and you can mm-hmm. see inside what people are performing. You know, there's the crowds inside oh, there. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And then uh, that's kind of like an iconic room where a lot of, you know, it's where all the big names go. Mm-hmm. It, that place was cooking before this all, all the COVID thing went down. But And then in the back upstairs in the top, there's a room called the belly room. And that's where the... Oh, okay. Uh, and it's kind of like a, uh, one of Chappelle's specials was yeah. filmed in there. I've yeah. heard about all those rooms. I just assumed because it was belly room, I thought it was the basement. <laughs> you think it, but it's the opposite. It's upstairs, and it's, it's, nice. it probably holds 100 people. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's a weird layout. I don't, it's not designed well, but it fits the way the comedy store is. And mm-hmm. then, and the Kill Tony used to be up in the belly room, and then it got too, it got really big, and they moved it to, to the uh, main room. 
but I remember uh, I got up on Kill. Oh, so you sign up. So when mm-hmm. you get there, you sign up for Kill Tony, and then there's the other one is called Potluck, and they pick out ten or fifteen names, and you get to do in the original room if you make make the cut. But it, that's a little more contrived. It's not if you sign up, they already know who they're going to pick. Mm. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I don't. They may have changed it since then, but it was. I, I did get up in there once. You can only get three. You only get three minutes. I think you get one minute. Well, kill Tony, Tony. You get, oh, yeah, kill Tony. You get, yeah, but the other one, the potluck, you get three minutes. Okay, so, nice. Are those yeah. going on like the same time? Uh, no, uh, potlucks first. Oh, okay. And then kill Tony's after that, I believe. So you can you can hit both. So and I got up in the potluck one time just by fluke, mm-hmm. and then uh, that was a lot of fun. Are, most, then, are most of your jokes uh, shorter? Like, are you able to hit that three? Yeah, I can, yeah. I can, I can fire it up pretty quick. So okay. I don't, I don't have long setups or anything like that. So it works. And Kill Tony, or, you know, worked the same. I got up on there twice. That's awesome. And uh, Joe Rogan, I remember was one of the guest hosts at one time. And then um, nice. Okay, I'll be able to find you. Al Madrigal was another one, and uh, Greg Fitzsimmons. And I remember who the other one was with Joe. I think it, I think Greg and and Al. We're the same night. That's awesome. I but it was fun, man. I it's, love listening to that podcast. I'm telling you, when <laughs> these guys would get, because what they do is they, they take all the names and just put them in a hat. And you mm-hmm. and if people don't know, and they just grab names out and they call you and you get to go up and you got one minute to yeah. do your best one minute. And then they critique you. And some guys would get up there and they'd say, man, I didn't think I was going to get called. Yeah. And so they have nothing. They sit there and just... <clears throat> Say that out loud for forty five seconds. Oh and man, like, and, dude! <laughs> and you, but you should see Tony because he's just sitting there and he cannot wait for that minute to be up so he can shred him. Yeah. Oh my God, he is just vicious and it's hysterical. Yeah, he is. He was. Uh, have you seen the? I think it was a Snoop Dogg roast where uh, Tony went up there and like just roasted everyone like really hardcore. It was super man. funny. And they have a roast battle too that's uh, started up in the belly room as oh, well. Yeah. I've always wanted to see that. Yeah, I did that one time, and um, it's like the Romans and the Christians and the lions thing. I mean, that's how it, that's the atmosphere. Mm. It it's it's so electric, man. It was just like it was so cool because they just battle, battle. I mean, they're, and everybody just yelling in there, and it's real compact, so it's just like, mm-hmm. and then. You just go after whoever you're matched up with, and it's—I'm not a roast kind of guy, you know. Yeah. But it, but it worked out good. I won my—I won my battle. But man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's not it's not easy. It's uh, a friend of mine, Jesus Trejo. Um, oh, that he, guy's hilarious. Oh yeah, he goes, he goes, Kip, you got to do you got to do roast battle. And I said, he said, but he said, but I'm telling you, man, he goes, it's hard. He says, but I. Because a lot of times you're roasting somebody you know, and he says, "Man, he says you tell these jokes, and he says, man, it hurts you inside because you know you're like you're you're, you're it's mm-hmm. your friend there, you know, but you're like, you know, shredding them up." And he didn't tell me he'd want he'd want to guess one of the like the whole thing oh, that's know, awesome. where they tear it up. And Jesus is great. He's, he's just a great guy. He seems like the kindest man possible, you know, to oh, be in a roast absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's exactly right because I had I had no idea, but we got to go to. Um, when he filmed his special, uh, I took a friend of mine. We went and watched him film the special in, in uh, North Hollywood. A lot of fun. That's legit. I know yeah. he was. Uh, I don't know if they're still doing it, but he was on a tour with Burt Crusher, and I think they uh, they like drove through Amarillo or something because somebody had a picture with Burt, 
and he was just doing those uh, drive-in tours. Yeah. So I don't know why he was in Amarillo, but someone had a picture of him on Instagram. So it just looks like they have a lot of fun. Those guys, uh, when I the first time I met uh, Jesus was in El Paso. I was in town uh, for my thirty-fifth high school reunion. And dang, I didn't know they had those. Oh yeah, they just had the fortieth last this last year. Nice. So I know, like, I'm about to be, I'll be twenty-eight in two years. So that'll be my first one, my ten. Right. Do they do fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty? Depends on your. Depends on your group. It's oh. interesting. I went to Eastwood High School in El Paso, and I had almost a thousand people, I think, in our class. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a big school, and they had there's like twelve schools in El Paso. So, mm-hmm. but um, for some reason, this this class, class of seventy nine, they're they're pretty close knit. There's just a group of people that are so they they like hanging out. We still like we're still Facebook and stuff together. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't in that crowd. I was I was kind of a loner mm-hmm. in high school. I just I didn't want to be there. I just my senior year I had two PE classes, <laughs> nice a government class and something else, and that was it. So I was there like part time on my senior mm-hmm. year, and I got out in March, had enough credits, and I just got out. Nice, that's cool. Yeah. So um, anyway, for some reason they're really close, and so the, one of the gals that uh, was setting up the thirty fifth, she knew uh, the club owner Bart Reed. And El Paso at the comic strip, and she said, "Hey, I can probably arrange you to get you some stage time because they were going. One of the activities was to go to the to the club and just hang out and listen to comedy. So she got me some stage time, and I got up there. And Steve Trevino was the headliner, and Jesus was with him with uh, along for the trip. Jesus was the feature. Oh wow! And so they let me open that one night. That's awesome. And then." Uh, they gave me 10 minutes, uh, and at 10 minutes, I already knew. I said, man, this is way more than 10 minutes. So I kept going, uh-huh. and then uh, so they gave me a little bit longer time because I was doing really well. And then uh, at, the end of, at the end of the first show, Steve Trevino says, hey, is that Kippy still here? So I want him to open for me the rest of the weekend. So Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. So I opened for them the rest of the weekend, and that's how I met Steve and Jesus. That's and, awesome. Man, we went that one night. There's a bar across the street from the club, and we went over there. Uh, I haven't been that drunk before or mm-hmm. since. And oh that was, um, you were already, how long had you been doing comedy at that point? Uh, probably four or five years. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Where I'd kind of busted out on my own from the Skipper show. Yeah, it was it was incredible. So I'd... I've done a lot of stuff with Steve since then, so he's really good to me. And uh, we did a little tour about three years ago. Where I was back in Texas for a little bit, and uh, so we did a show together in Roswell, and mm-hmm. then did another El Paso run, and then uh, I did a show with him in Dallas at the Texas Theater. That's legit. Hell yeah, yeah, it was fun, man. It was. He's he's good to me, man. He's a super guy, and that guy's hysterical oh my gosh awesome yeah um i was gonna ask when it comes to uh like uh your your material are you um like uh, how do you i guess put a put a set together like are you um writing a lot do you kind of just write on stage how's that work for you? i never write on stage uh i'm not i'm not an improv guy mm-hmm. so I, I don't you know i'm not quick so i have to really 
think through. Sometimes a, a premise will come up and the joke will be right the first time and I can write it out and I go, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I really, I know that's a good premise, but the the wording's not right. So it takes a little while to get the right flow. Sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, you think you got the right thing and it just, and it just, I had one joke. I can't remember what it was now. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, I mean, I loved the joke, but I just never would hit. And it just, it was maybe a little too dark, but I would say, I, it was kind of like an opener, but it was an offset. And I say, uh, how'd it go? It'd go something like, oh, you know, uh, I forgot to mention my, uh, my fake a wish foundation. This little girl thinks that her puppy's going to live. <laughs> and then I would say, oh, bunch of animal lovers huh we'll just substitute mommy for puppy yeah it's a dark one a little dark so <laughs> but i always thought it was genius and i kept like kind of opening with it wasn't my uh-huh. first joke but i would be like my first opening bits and it never hit and i mean i just wouldn't give up on it but finally i had to like you know this thing's not working so because i mean uh-huh. be, it would be dead silent i mm-hmm. mean not 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 even one chuckle yeah. so uh yeah so you know sometimes just pretty much just not gonna work Mm-hmm. No, I feel that I've uh, well, you were there at Zombies. I was trying out some material. Um, I've always wanted to like write like a good, like concise like Jeffrey Dahmer joke related to cannibalism. Yeah. And every time I try it out, it's just nothing. Like I've tried it like four different ways, but I'm gonna keep. I'm eventually I'm gonna have a Dahmer joke. Like it might take ten years, but <laughs> it'll happen because it'll, it'll, it'll work out. You'll because like some jokes I've shelved, mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, I, I something comes up, and I, oh my god this is the way to do it. And then I'll go back and rewrite it. Mm-hmm. And it, it usually sometimes there's something there. So I, I love the darker stuff. A lot of people don't. So mm-hmm. it, I have to count, you know, like Anthony Jeselnik, I don't know how he pulls it off. Oh yeah, man. Oh my gosh. He's a master. I did a show with him at the, at the comedy store and I just sat there just in awe of how he just like, yeah, he just yeah, goes incredible. for it. And I love that, but you know, affliction and stuff like that is funny to me. You know, mm-hmm. no, he was a uh, probably one of my bigger inspirations. Like when I first started out, like I was, I was really just trying to be. I didn't have a voice at all yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have a voice now, but I don't even think I do. <laughs> but I was just trying to like emulate Jesselnik, and it was just. And I go back and look at my notes, and I look at like older videos, and yeah. it's just cringe yeah. it's just it's yeah. just being shocking instead of being funny yeah exactly and i think a lot of like open micers when they first start out they kind of just like 100 percent. they don't know how to be funny yet so they're just gonna no it's a it's punch a your baby you know <laughs> who doesn't want to do that yeah <laughs> those walmart babies especially oh my gosh yeah babies on airplanes i hear about i don't i don't get on you airplanes know, enough, I, but i hear about those i'm empathetic to those poor parents <laughs> because you know babies don't want to be there mm-hmm you know, they have no choice. And these poor parents, they don't want to be there with their baby, especially mm-hmm. when they're, and it's just, it's, you know, they, you, you know, there's too, too much going on. I, I feel bad for the parents that have a kid that are, that's uh, not complying with what society thinks of playing playing. Yeah, I think the worst place is uh, movie theaters. Yeah. Like if you have a small child, you're not allowed to go to the movies with them. <laughs> no, <laughs> Unless it's a kid's movie. I, I can't, I can't argue <laughs> that. And I've seen people bring like babies to like, to like, you know, like to it, yeah, or something like. That. And I go, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and the baby's losing their shit within the first five minutes, and you're just like, yeah, and it's not because dude, he's scared, and he just didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, he's in a dark room with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, Ugh, and loud noises. <laughs> I don't know. 
But yeah, back to that tangent. Working with Jesselnik, that's really, I mean, that's, you get to brush shoulders with like big people. It's like, been incredible. Just starting out, that's, that's it's insane. It's been incredible. I've been really lucky. I'd, yeah. It's, um, it's like anything else. It's 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 uh, networking mm-hmm. and relationships. Yeah. Because I've seen guys up there that are there all the time at the comedy store. They're not that funny. They're not really. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they're even. But they're there and they're putting in the work and people like them, so they'll put them up. You know, they'll they'll, wow. work, they'll people like to work with people. People yeah. like to work with people they like. Mm-hmm. You see that in movies, you know, where they the same little cast is kind of like they bounce around to different flicks. Yeah, like uh, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow, absolutely, all those dudes. Yeah, so that's and that's why is because they they're comfortable. You know, they they kind of fit. You know, their their style kind of fits, mm-hmm. and that's that's just kind of the way it works. It's worked like that for decades. You know, National Lampoon guys were all you know college buddies when they got National Lampoon going, and uh so that's kind of what it is and, and with that relationship when i had to jesus was kind of the big impetus for me as far as the comedy store is going because he mm-hmm. was i mean he would walk me around to people that were influential influential and say hey this guy's funny you need to put him up wow yeah so i mean that's that's what you need is uh, especially at, at that level um so every open micer's <clears throat> dream right oh there. yeah you know it's <laughs> i've been really lucky uh as far as that's concerned and and uh man i mean i've i don't want to say i've opened for because a lot of times it's like a um uh a showcase mm-hmm. you know i just happen to be on the same show that the headliner is somebody else it's mm-hmm. not like like mark maron i did a show that mark counts maron in my on. book I, I tell people i opened for mark maron <laughs> yeah see <laughs> but you know so he would be you know i would be like you know just like one of the it's a showcase so you got like 10 comics mm-hmm. and then he's the headliner at the end but it, it didn't know really. I didn't even know Mark before then, or mm-hmm. whatever. So, I just, yeah. So that's kind of the way it works a lot of the time. So one time I did a showcase at the at uh, the main room. Uh, it was my first time there, uh, so I'm a little nervous. So I asked the uh, uh, I can't remember who I talked to, but I said, "Hey, where's the light at?" And they go, "He said it's in the back of the room. You can't miss it." I said. Fair enough. And usually it's a red light or mm-hmm. a white light or something somewhere. So I'm going, and I had an eight-minute set, and I'm at 10 minutes at least, and I'm going, where is this light at? I mean, I, I know I'm going way over. Yeah. Because they're pretty pretty good about timing. And I'm looking around, and I'm going, where is this light? And I'm still going, and I'm like, I'm running out of stuff because mm-hmm. this is like several years ago. And finally, <laughs> in the back of the room, there's this six foot tall clown that's back there. It's like I can't I can't describe it, but it's huge, mm-hmm. and it's going like this, because I get off the stage is what I was saying. I said, "Oh my god, I was so embarrassed." And then uh, in that same set, <clears throat> uh, right before me was uh, Bobby Lee. Oh wow! Yeah, so I had to go up after Bobby Lee, and I'm like real deadpan, you know, real. Mm-hmm. Calm and he's up there jumping around with you know, yeah. no clothes on. I've never seen any of his stand up, but I just I hear comedians always talk about him. Oh, he's he's how funny he is. He's all over the place. Yeah. He's just you know, he, I think he was in his underwear in that show <laughs> at some point, but anyway, he's hilarious on Mad TV. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was it's funny. So, I didn't that wasn't my best set ever, uh, just because I didn't know how to help transition mm-hmm. the energy, his energy to me. And I learned that after a while how to kind of figure that out. So how do you figure that out? Is it just well? Experience? Jesus told me. 
He said, this is how you do it. And he just said, you know, acknowledge the comic before you, especially if you did really well. And, you know, you know, give it up for Bobby, you know, one more time. Give it up. Man, that was awesome. And then that kind of lets them know that Bobby's done mm-hmm. and now it's your time on stage. And it works pretty good. It's not, you know, 100%, okay. but it's, you know, now it's, you know, they know it's your time and, you know, they can focus on you. Mm. That's good. It's good advice. Good to know. Man, so, yeah, you've been doing it 10 years, uh, mostly in California. Do you plan on uh, going back to California soon? I know uh, a lot of people are running right now. I do. I mean, <laughs> they're making room for me. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. <laughs> you think um, uh, the property value will go down? I don't know. Or There's the got to be a crash because it's insane. Yeah. I, I just saw, I live in North Orange County, so it's kind of like, uh, I don't have to describe it. It's expensive. The North mm-hmm. Orange County is... Uh, where all the real money is is down by the coast, like Newport Beach and Dana Point and you know, San Juan, San, El, San Clemente. Mm-hmm. Um, but North Orange County has its own little pocket of money, too, there in Yorba Linda. And uh, there was a three-bedroom house, 1,700 square feet, 1,800 square feet. Average-looking home. Nice, but not, you know. Mm-hmm. It was uh, $820,000. Wow. That would probably be like one hundred and twenty thousand here. Uh, maybe one fifty. One fifty. One eighty, maybe. My mom's house is not huge. It's a two bedroom, but it's got a basement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to go for about two hundred, two hundred, maybe two hundred. I don't know. That's what she wants. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's uh, dramatically different price wise, but. But as far as the entertainment world's concerned, mm-hmm. it's you you can't beat it. I mean, Joe Rogan's already made his his spot. Mm-hmm. Now you can do what you want. Steve's already out here. Steve Torino's lived out here for five years, I think. Oh wow! What, he lives in uh, New Braunfels. That's awesome. I was uh, thinking, obviously, because Amarillo's not a not a comedy town, not mm-hmm. an entertainment town. Really, I mean, there's some good music and everything, but uh-huh. um, obviously, if you want to advance. As far as uh, stand-up goes, you got to move out somewhere else. There's so much involved in advancing. It's just, yeah. there's, I don't know. Uh, there's, I'm in this, I'm in this no man's land, kind of like right now where, mm-hmm. you know, feature, there's like, you know, when you work your way up, you know, when you get to a feature, it's really good. But there's a big gap between feature and headliner. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And I'm not sure how to jump, how to bridge that gap yet. Yeah, it probably takes a lot. Um, I would imagine. So that is a a question I'm going to ask some of my buddies. Because I've been kind of, I don't want to say floundering, but I've Mm -hmm. been kind of in that feature spot for about five years now. And it's, um, the next level is a a lot of extra work. And, you know, not getting, getting up, you know, the past several months, other than that one time at Zombies. You know, it's like being an athlete, man. You got to be out there all the time to yeah, to that, keep the rhythm. That and, zombie show was a rough one for me. Yeah, me that too. Was, but <laughs> it was it was perfect. It was perfect because it's a perfect audience for it. You know, yeah. it's good timing, and you know, you can sit there and work on new material, and you know, br- you know, uh, brush up on some old bits that you know. You just it's the timing of it. The timing is everything. Yeah, I went from I think the last time I performed before that I want to say it was probably the second week of March. Yeah. 
So and then that was towards the end of June, I believe. So yeah, about three three solid months of nothing, and yeah. then three, awful. three solid months of no practice whatsoever, and then trying it again and just being like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and like uh, drowning up here. And open mics, <laughs> yeah, I know. And open mics are just they're. I've never been. I've never gleaned much from open mic doing open mics. It just. It's mm-hmm. never worked for me. I've tried. Because of the, the crowd? No, it's usually because usually just other comics waiting for their turn. Yeah. You know, most of the time. And, you know, it, there's, uh, you know, stand-up requires energy from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been able to do it. with it. What I usually do is I was booking a lot of shows. I would just work in new material on the shows I would do instead of, you know, because nobody notices. Yeah. If it doesn't if it doesn't work, you just move on. If it does work, then you've got another one you can chalk up and. And then um, I would imagine that that's such a big area that you're getting. If you use reuse material, no one's going to notice because no. it's a brand new audience every time. Yep. So that's that's legit. Yeah. So you know, like I've seen guys that uh, I know guys that have been doing it for twenty years plus years, and they the jokes the sets pretty much the same. Like headliners, mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while they add a new better here or there but you know they're traveling comics and they're you know they're using the same stuff every time i feel like i would get depressed doing that but i'm also like so new to this so yeah but you know <laughs> um I'd get bored yeah i don't want to name names but dude, I, I know i've worked with plenty of guys that, that do that mm-hmm. over and over and it works for them and they you know some of them do like a little bit of crowd work so mm-hmm. that kind of changes it up a little bit but typically uh Crowd work is is not always uh, improv. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, it's like um, they know what joke they're going to end up with, mm-hmm. so they set up the audience. Kind of like a magic trick in a way. You kind of set the audience. Yeah, that's a good up. way to put it. Definitely like a magic trick. It, you're setting up the audience to go where you want them to be, mm-hmm. so that you can introduce this joke to them. But but in the meantime, it's it's pretty entertaining. The crowd gets into it, and they. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not very good at crowd work. I'm not either. That's something I've been trying to focus on because I'm an Amarillo. I'm usually performing in front of like five people. Yeah. And there's always at least one drunk guy or woman who manipulate monopolizes. Yeah. They have, they have things they want to yell at you. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm kind of getting better doing it that way. But I mean, it's hard cause I, I would do want to move to a bigger place. I'm thinking about Austin, uh, cause I kind of want to stay in Texas yep. and I've, I've gone to Denver and other big cities and done mics there. And those mics, it's like you said, it's just other comics. Like nobody cares what you're saying. No, no one's even listening to you. And it, when you're here, you get to do because I'm, me and another guy are basically like leading the whole comedy movement, in Amarillo, and we do like ten to fifteen minutes at every mic. Right. And there's really no light. You're kind of just dumb and you're done. Right. And so we're getting all this stage time, and we're getting decent crowds, you know, that interact with us. And I just, it makes me wonder, like, if I do move to a bigger city, is it just going to be, like, nonstop mics of, like, nobody giving a shit, you know? Mics are, I've, found, <laughs> I've done mics all over the country, mm-hmm. like in Philadelphia and stuff like places I've traveled to, just to get a kind of vibe. They're all the same. All the same? They're all the same. Hmm. I've never seen one that's uh, dramatically different. Okay. They're all pretty much the same vibe. Uh uh, Philly was interesting because there was some interesting characters in there, but mm-hmm. the same. But it was kind of the same thing. It was like it wasn't really a show. It was just more of a a gathering. 
Yeah, I did. And there's uh, some guys at mics that just, even at mics, they tell the same jokes every mic. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I've seen guys that they'll just travel around all these mics and they just do the same five minutes. I think it was the, uh, is it the Voodoo Room in Denver? I don't know, but I went there and uh, because I was like, I wasn't like a local comic. They put me up dead last. Oh. And there were like three guys in the audience. Yeah. And I was like, well, nobody's listening. So I'm going to go ahead and end with like my best joke. So at least I'll get one laugh. And it's yeah. still dead silent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst. Going up last on a mic is like the death now. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Pretty rough. I do love uh, the scene there, like Fort Collins, Denver area. There's a lot of uh, a lot of good comics over there. Yeah. It's fun. Those comics, you know, it's funny. You, it's amazing how many people are actually, you know, trying comedy or mm-hmm. trying to, you know, perform comedy. You, you don't think how big of a community it is until you get out there and. Yeah, exactly. Then you get on Facebook and you see everyone everywhere. with a mic in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what point you call yourself a comedian. You know, for a long time I had a, a tough time like labeling myself as a comedian because I didn't mm-hmm. think I was. Uh, I think that's an earned spot. You can't just call yourself that and and, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, like if I drive fast on the freeway, I'm not a NASCAR race driver. <laughs> so at what point, you know, I don't know. I, I wrestled with it for a while. But, you know, I, I've done enough now that I feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, call myself a comedian with writing and uh, stuff I've done. So, it, but it's uh, it's a weird word. It's a weird business. And it's very uh, fickle. And it's, um, like I mentioned before, it's, it's relationship driven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's people like to work with people they like. They like. That is a thing too. There's a huge surge um, of people just wanting to try it, and everybody trying it. You know, yeah. like it's everywhere. But that's what I was thinking. Like maybe during this whole pandemic, like the people who aren't serious about it will just kind of fall off and quit. But There's just a know. big lineup of people right <laughs> behind them thinking, "Oh, well, I'm gonna give this a try." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've seen guys, you know, like like Jesus. You know, Jesus when he was a feature and he just kept with it. And then, he, same thing. You know, he got he's he's hanging with Bert and stuff. You know, he, he Steve would take him along and for they'd go man for weeks out on the road. And then, uh, when Steve moved back to Texas, then uh, Jesus kind of gravitated towards some other guys and they they took him in under their wing and you know Bert and all those guys and they've really helped him develop his his special was amazing i don't i didn't get to watch it on showtime mm-hmm. uh but it, we were there and it's funny right in the middle of his set this stage that he's on is like glass it's black but it's like glass there was a guy out there with little hospital booties on before the show started and he had like a little spray bottle of windex and he was out there like getting the spots off for the camera <laughs> you know so it yeah. was completely clean so right in the middle of the set um was, uh, he's just standing in this piece of like lint or I don't know how to describe it, it like a like a spider web but it was kind of like you know something you'd see under your bed kind of mm-hmm. rolling around when the wind blow you know and it just dropped straight down right in front of him just like slowly just like and, he, and right in the middle he goes what the fuck is that <laughs> and everybody started laughing and then he said something else I can't remember what he said and then uh, um, everybody was just laughing <laughs> and then he, he looked at the producer and he goes leave that in so uh, anyway, it was pretty fun. They did two shows, so they did a, an early show and then a later show, and then they were they were gonna they can uh, edit it if they need to. Mm-hmm. Those shows are always real clean, to, or not aren't always clean, so they they can edit it and make it uh, 
look like it's 100 percent. those are always the best moments whether it's like a heckler or like just something going wrong oh yeah for sure and the comedian's able to just roll with it and make it better this friend of mine tom clark uh another uh he's been a really good uh mentor for me (laughs) i'll send you i'll send you the video but he's he's come up on stage the guy introduces him as as tom uh what what was it it wasn't even his name. The guy introduced him to come up on stage, but it wasn't even his name. He, he, was, he got the name wrong. So Tom's coming up, and he tries to get up on stage, and he trips and falls. I mean, like, bam, hard. It was really funny. It's really funny. And Tom pops <laughs> up and goes, he says, I just want you to know, I did, that wasn't planned. You know, but it was really, it was really funny. Tom's really good at improv. He's, he's got an improv background, and so mm. he does a lot of crowd work stuff too. Yeah, I love, I love watching crowd work. That's something I definitely do want to get better at at some point. Yeah, there's a uh, another guy, old school guy, uh, Jimmy. It'll come to me. My my memory's not real good, but he he's been on Carson. He's probably been on Carson more than anybody else. Mm. Jimmy. Anyway, it's all crowd work. Is he British? No. Oh, okay. I was uh, thinking Jimmy Carr. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Well, anyway, um, Bergen, Jimmy Bergen, mm. and I think that's right. Anyway, he uh, he does all crowd work, so he gets started. He opens up a couple of zingers, and then he, hey, what? you guys a couple, boom, and then he and he kills. Nice. He said every show is different. He's like he's I love doing crowd. Work. He's like in his seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Brogan, Jimmy Brogan, is his oh, name. Okay. Yeah. So um, that takes so much confidence. Oh to be able yeah, to. He, but he he he's with that crowd. So on. Um, Sunday nights, the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, they have a show every Sunday night. Jay Leno's on it. Uh, Seinfeld drops in. And Jimmy's part of that show. So he's been doing that show with Jay for decades. So they every Sunday night, they show up and they do this show on, at the Comedy Magic Club. And he just does crowd work. I've, I did a show with him down in uh, San Juan Capistrano. And he was mm-hmm. just super nice guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's crowd work side is an art on its own. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, when a when a set's not going well, do you have a a strategy to like pick it back up or change the vibes around things like uh, that? I'm pretty lucky because most of the time it goes pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm very fortunate. I I've never been heckled, which is kind of really? weird. Yeah, that's... never been heckled. I don't That's open, great. I don't, I don't, um, what I found out is like it working at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I probably should work on that. It'd be a nice skill to have. But if, if you, uh, word something that, that makes it, uh, feel like somebody feel like they can engage you in conversation, mm-hmm. uh, how, how, what was the joke? There was a joke I used to do and people would answer back all the time. I didn't want to talk to them. I just wanted mm-hmm. to, to tell the joke. Something about the tiger. There's a, one, the first, one, for one of the first big scenes is a, an old, uh, they call it the Cambodian shrine and it's, you know, there's a tiger in there and it's uh, animatronic. And I would say, do you know why tigers have stripes? And then people, when you, when you form the question, mm-hmm people feel obligated to respond to the question. Well, the joke is, do you know why tigers have stripes? Is because they look terrible in polka dots or something like that. I don't know, mm-hmm. something dumb like that. So I started saying, so I changed it so that people wouldn't feel like they could respond or needed to respond. I would, I'd say, instead of saying, do you know why? 
I would say the reason that tigers have stripes, and then I would do the punchline. So I learned how to formulate my jokes so that people wouldn't feel obligated to to respond mm. to me. That's a good idea. I've kind yeah. of I've done that naturally a couple times to where it's like I'm not going to waste uh, ask waste time asking a hypothetical question. I'm just going to yeah. tell you <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. So. Um, so anyway, so it I've uh, been fortunate in that way. Uh, as far as recovering, I just keep moving. You know, something's mm-hmm. going to hit. You know, something will work. You know, sometimes it's just not that. Sometimes it's just not the night. Mm-hmm. You know, the vibe's not there. You're not connecting with them. You don't have much time. You got to connect, especially you know, you know, at our level. Mm-hmm. You got you've got about half a minute to connect with that crowd before they get disinterested. So you got to really. I mean, your opener's got to really. You open with your second best joke and then close with your best joke. Yeah. So, you know, and your your second best joke better be good. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just uh, it gets them engaged. Oh, okay. Makes them want to pay attention. Uh, if you're if you're floundering at first and they feel that flop sweat, you know, they the people know they they don't know it overtly, mm-hmm. but they know that you you know you're not confident. You know, they know maybe you haven't like you're not you don't have it together yet. Mm. they sense it even though it may not be overt mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing they just they just know and they they quickly tune out so you have uh, just that's what kill tony is kind of fun because you got you know that one minute you know to really get engaged with them and yeah for sure yeah i like my opening joke <clears throat> to have kind of like the most energy maybe, maybe that's not the right way to put it but i want it to be like in your face loud get your attention you know mm-hmm. like if the last if the guy in front of me didn't do well or you know he was quiet or the bar's loud like yeah I, I want my first joke to just be bang you know and yep. then get in the material exactly oh, yeah that's that's great advice too and what other questions did i have oh okay so you told a uh a joke about at zombies it was about uh adopting a highway <laughs> And I like that joke a lot because I saw a uh, Zach Galifianakis told a joke. It was similar to yours. It was I really like the premise of adopting a highway. I think it's a genius, yeah. uh, <laughs> genius premise to make a joke out of. But he was his joke was, um, how long do you or what age do you tell a highway it's been adopted? And that was so funny to me. And I was like, man, I love that premise. Like I really want to be able to write a joke about adopting a highway one day. And then you had it, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Like I thought it was awesome. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I know, you know it's funny. It's especially now that the internet is out there, and there's so much content. Every I mean, all from everywhere, and um, there's so much. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, there's a word for it, but it's just lateral or. People have the same ideas. Mm-hmm. Parallel thinking. Parallel thinking. Uh, parallel thinking and parallel thought. And it really gets exposed on the internet because, mm-hmm. like, you know, like uh, in March, I wrote a bit. I wrote a Facebook post. I I don't put my A material on Facebook mm-hmm. just because. But I like to play with Facebook because it keeps my mind going. And I wrote back in March. I said, you know, I said, I hope when the looting starts that they have – uh, that they have special times for seniors so that they can loot, you know, on their own. <laughs> and then, sure enough, I start, like in, in June or July, I start seeing these memes, kind of mm-hmm. like the same thing. It was yeah. kind of the same same joke, you know. That's funny. So, so uh, you know, um, 
so it's out there. And so you, I used to be worried about, you know, telling a joke. Because I had one joke I, I'd tell uh, something about uh, something like, I don't use anymore. Uh, oh, let's talk about rectal bleeding. And then mm -hmm. I would talk about, you know, I would talk about the exam and how awkward it was. And then, and then my, the punchline was, well, you know, and the weird part is it was my dentist, you know. And then I, as I was doing shows, I literally had three other people that equated this awkward doctor interaction with their dentist mm -hmm. as the punchline. So it's, I, you know, you never think about it until somebody, you hear somebody else, oh, there's another one. Uh, you have been married for... I just had my 30th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. I've been married 30 times. <laughs> so, but I've heard that somebody else use that uh -huh. in a very similar fashion. So it's, it's not unusual. Yeah, to, there's, there's definitely a, a dozen versions of that, of that yeah. joke. Yeah. Exactly. But not like, I, I wasn't accusing you of like biting it or anything. Oh, I was no, just, no. I loved, I love that you had that, that concept. No, no, exactly. Right. And, and that's what I was, you just, you just got to go with what you feel. Yeah. That's why for a long time, I didn't even listen to other comics because I didn't want to influence my writing. Mm -hmm. So like even like big comics, I didn't want, I didn't want to feel like that, you know, whatever bit that I wrote ended up being similar to somebody else's then Oh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe he's getting this stuff, but I've seen guys blatantly use like old, like, uh, there's one guy in LA that uses, a lot of old uh, Eddie Murphy stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. So that's so obvious, though. A lot of people, you know, have grown up not hearing Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And they don't know the difference. So yeah, like, you know. I would imagine that'd be harder to get away with in L.A. Like, this guy does it, uh -huh. and, and he's pretty prominent. Mm. Yeah, that's. I mean, wild. prominent in a you know in a certain mm -hmm. level. Not you know he's not he's not like a comedy store guy, but. Yeah, it's uh it's a weird business. Yeah, definitely. When I uh when I very first started, I was uh I was kind of using one-liners from other comics to like close with, like if my set wasn't going well. Yeah. Like I did that for about a month, maybe 2 months. And then uh I looked into like how serious of a thing joke theft is. And I was like, "Oh." And then I felt really guilty, and then I just like stopped completely. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, for a little bit there, I was like, "Well, no one will know," you know, but yeah, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, well, no, it's funny because uh, I had this uh, interview with Johnny Carson on uh, this. There was this old school comedian named Larry Wilde, and he interviewed all these old uh, comedians, entertainers. Mm -hmm. uh, Seinfeld was one of them. Right before the television show, he did an interview with Seinfeld when he was at the peak of his stand-up career. But one of the interviews was with Carson, and and. Uh, this is back in the late 60s, I think, when they did this interview. So the show was just starting to take off, The Tonight Show. And he said, Johnny, he says, where did you get your material? I said, where did, did you, were you writing? He says, he says, I think most guys in the beginning, they just steal, they just steal mm -hmm. bits, you know, just to get started, you know. And then he says, then you, you, then you figure it out and you start writing your own stuff. But he said, in the beginning, you were just stealing stuff. Mm -hmm. But that was interesting, especially, you know, a guy of, at his level. But this was, you know... 20 years before he got the mm -hmm. got the Tonight Show because he was a stand-up. I think he, he did magic too. He was a magician for a bit. Nice. I think it was, uh, I was into an interview with Gary Owens. That's his name, yeah. Yeah, Gary Owens. And he said uh, he started out like with Nick Cannon and Nick Cannon was doing uh, other people's material like word for word <laughs> and like killing with it. And Gary was like, hey man, you 
you probably shouldn't do that. And he's like, what? I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I'm sure there's, there's that, uh, um, you know, you just want to get up there and get on stage and mm-hmm. get a laugh and getting a laugh is, uh, it's, it's, you know, you know, it is, it's, there's a certain satisfaction. Oh, definitely. That comes from it. Yeah. I remember I told this joke at the, at the Bray improv and, uh, I wish I remember what joke it was. I don't remember. Uh, but it was a full house. And uh, the laughter started over here on the left. And went like a wave all the way across to the other side. It, just, it was the weirdest thing. I just sat, I just stood there. Wow. It was really yeah. cool, man. It was just, but I, I have no idea what joke it was. I can't remember what joke it was. That's a, that's a great feeling. Like the first time, like your joke really pops. Yep. And you actually have to like slow your set down. You actually yeah. have to pause. And you're just like, damn. Yeah. Exactly I remember right. That, that first time it popped off, I was like, "Holy shit!" I yeah, <laughs> man, it's it's a power it's a power thing, man. You yeah. just you're manipulating these people to, you know, with your words. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. It is, and they all agree to get on the ride with you. Yeah, exactly right. Just take me wherever you want to go. Yeah, but you got like I said before, you got like thirty seconds to get them engaged, or you mm-hmm. may have lost them. Some guys can pull it back, but I, you know, I, I'm not that experienced yet. Yeah, pulling it back is hard. Yeah, there's some guys I've seen that that purposely try to lose the crowd and then then mm-hmm. so they can get them back. Yeah, I think uh, from what I've seen, Bill Burr is probably the best at that. <laughs> that guy will dig himself a hole and climb out of it. And but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. That's the beauty of that. I mean, like that last one he did where he was in England. Mm-hmm. Paper Tiger. Were, yeah. Oh man, they were tight. You know, that crowd was tight, and he was just trying to like, like shake him loose, and but he doesn't care. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, I forgot what special it was, but he was like saying people were suggesting Michelle Obama should run for president. And he's like, why? Because <laughs> of her husband? I, for, I forgot what the premise of the joke was, but the whole crowd was just like, uh, yep. you know. <laughs> yep. He's a genius too, man. That guy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I like I like the raw guys. I'm not. I, most of my stuff's clean. All of it's clean, you know. It's PG-ish, mm-hmm. but those guys that are raw, like Chappelle and and Bill Burr, and just, just those guys, I just I envy, I envy their candidness. Yeah, they're masters, yeah. man. Yeah, Chappelle is amazing. Since he came back, oh my god. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. He he actually, I think his material got darker like once he returned, because he was. I mean, he was always talking about like race issues. Yeah. But now he's like, uh, you know, he had some abortion jokes in there. He had some, some uh, edgier material than he had in yep. the past. But but he, it's real. I mean, yeah. it's, he's coming from you know a real place. Murders it. Yeah, it's oh, impressive. <laughs> I just I, when the first special that came out, we had those two that came out back to back. I just my jaw was dropping. I was like, wow. Yeah, and he he opened with that joke. Uh, punched her right in the pussy where he's like <laughs> yeah and then then at the end he you know he 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 closes with it so it's a nice oh, callback man. But, yeah it's beautiful man just like you know someday yeah someday man absolutely that's the dream that's really cool but there's so much money you know like uh uh ron white's from fritch mm-hmm. and uh where I, I watched an interview with him who was it with I don't remember. It was online. Uh, and uh, he talks about it. He says, he says, at some point, you know, when you get those those big stadium gigs, he says, that he was making like a half a million dollars a month. 
Wow. A month. He said, "There's so much." He said, "There's so much money." He said, "It's just you can't even." You know, he's got a you know, he's got a plane, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just you know, the money is just incredible. So you can imagine, like Joe Coy, this poor guy is just getting started in his in this world tour he was doing, and then the COVID thing hit and just like derailed the whole thing. Oh yeah, that's true. Have you done any uh, Zoom mics? Uh, I did one. Uh, actually, it was uh, a friend of mine on another Skipper show mm-hmm. guy, uh, Trevor. He does uh, Sinatra. He sings Sinatra songs, so he's not an impersonator, but he sings the song. He sings his music. So he he, uh, so on Saturday nights they do a Zoom. Uh, it's actually on Twitch, so they do a Twitch show, and he wanted me to open, open for his Twitch show. So I what we did is we just pre-recorded it, pre-recorded a set, and sent it to him. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no feedback. It's weird because you're sitting there telling jokes and you don't get the energy. Yeah, I did two of them. And then I was like, never again. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's, 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 to me, it's like an open mic. It's kind of yeah. the same the same vibe. It feels worse almost because yeah. you're just in your bedroom. Dat, <laughs> do you know Dat Fan? Do you know who Dat Fan is? No. Yeah, he was the original. He was the first winner of uh, Last Comic Standing. Mm. And uh, Like season one? Yep. Wow, okay. And uh, look him up. Super nice guy. We did the show together in, in San Juan Capistrano. And... Uh, he asked me to do a Zoom show. They do. He does a Zoom show like two or three a week, different ones. And uh, he asked me to do a Zoom show, and I, I said no, I don't think I want to do it. Well, I mean, I I hear some people are thriving on them, but I mean, without a crowd, without feedback, it's yeah. Well, nobody's it making weird. money at it. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. And so. all the material I wrote, like uh, when I was in quarantine, you know, during that whole period from March to. I guess until now, technically, but I've been doing a weekly mic. But that period before comedy came back, I guess it'd be March to June. Those three months, I was writing material, but it was awful. It was terrible. I wasn't, like, motivated because I didn't have a mic to go to mm-hmm. to, like, work it out. So, um, yeah, and I was just trying out those jokes on Zoom. And I was just like, man, this is not <laughs> this is not it. This is not how At I want At some point, to go. you'll know. You mean, I kind of know when I write a joke if it's got some legs, mm-hmm. you know. And it, sometimes it needs a little tweak here and there. there it's, once in a while, I miss one, but usually, I, at some point, you get to where you know. Yeah. And it's not as important to do the mics. Um, there's Dat Fan, super nice guy. And uh, anyway, he he sent out an APB. He said, "I'm looking for women too." So he he tr- he likes to try to build a lot of women up uh, if he can. But well, that's good. He does a Zoom mic. A nice it's guy. two or three a week. They do Tuesday night, and one of them is a, a less comics, and you get a longer set, like fifteen. Oh wow, minutes. he beat Ralphie May. That's impressive. Surprising. Ralphie is that guy is. Phew. I was listening to an interview with Ralphie a long time ago, and uh, he said at one point he says I got twelve hours of material up here in his head. He said I. He says I. That's just a different level of... Yeah. I can't remember my own jokes. <laughs> I think I posted something about that. You know, I write all these jokes and then I have like I have to sit there and I have to go through them and then I, I kind of set them up so that they flow in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's like writing a, it's like writing a song or like putting together a, you know, like a, uh, a music set where the, you know, the songs kind of like 
fit together. Yeah, you know supposed I mean? to kind of tell a story. Yeah, in a way, but it it's just the the energy of the jokes mm-hmm. kind of play off each other. That's the way my that's the way my mm. has worked. Nice. Were you um? Are you writing now? Like, are you? Yeah, able to- off and on. Mine comes in waves. Mm-hmm. So I'll get. Uh, I get some good energy and it just it just comes on me and I'll just sit down and start writing stuff and then uh, I'll look through my current book and I'll see old bits that I've like worked on before and then if something new comes up that I can change it and make it better then I'll do that and that's then, always fun yeah or like uh, I recently had a joke um, I still don't I don't know if I'm going to keep the full thing but I had a joke about Kellogg's and um, it never really landed like I wanted it to. And then um, I saw a, something about Aunt Jemima getting canceled. So then I found a way to put those two jokes together. And then, like, Beautiful. They, they both worked out. But alone, they were both kind of eh. Yeah. But together, it kind of it became like a real thing. And people liked it. So that's always fun. Yeah. And those jokes are probably like a year and a half apart, if not longer. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I love it when you can resurrect something that... Together was you know average maybe and then you can make it work like this one joke that i wrote i use it an opener quite a bit about um getting a text from my wife mm-hmm. and uh it never worked for a while and then all of a sudden i just i simplified it and flipped it and it worked great if you can flip the thing so the joke is i, I got a text from my wife it said i'm leaving you mm-hmm. Then I got another one right after that that said, sorry, that wasn't meant for you. So, And I can't remember how it was originally written, but it didn't work nearly as well. But I use that as an opener forever, and it really it really helped. Nice. That's cool. Because <clears throat> people, you know, they, oh, you know, because people can relate to that. It's relatable. It's very mm-hmm. relatable. You know, a lot of stuff I write is not, I don't think is really relatable, but it's funny enough that it, it, it people can still catch on to. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. Because I'm not like like Steve, uh, Steve Trevino. His stuff is all family mm-hmm. stuff for the most part. You know, he talks about he and his wife and his his um, his son, and now his, his wife's pregnant again. So, and I think they know it's a girl. So, he had this bit about uh, I think before his son was born. Uh, you know, what if his wife had a had a baby girl? You know, mm-hmm. then he'd have she'd have her little side bitch with her. You know, <laughs> telling <laughs> telling him what to do. You know, like his wife did. It's a yeah. it's a funny it's a funny joke, but all this stuff is is he he calls his wife. His wife has a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, but he he calls her Captain Evil, mm. and she's the one that wants to take all the fun away. She wants to show up in there, and she's not. She's the completely opposite of that. She's the nicest person you could imagine. <laughs> But he calls her Captain Evil, and he just they just play off that. And they have a, a podcast now that they do every week, and they talk about you know personal stuff. Him and, and his wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. It's really good. It's uh, because they're both. He's really animated. You know, he's got mm-hmm. a lot of energy, and she, and she does too. She fights back, and she. It's funny. He was doing a show one time, and I was sitting back with her. I think I was at Brea, Improv, and we were sitting back there together. He and uh, she and I, Renee. And he'd tell a joke, and she goes, "That's not true." <laughs> and then she, he'd tell a couple more, and he go, mm, "That's true." So she would, she was funny, but she, she really goes along with it. They're good, uh, they're a good uh, power team. Yeah, that's that's yeah. always fun to see as like uh, couples on a podcast. It's good to see that dynamic. Like every once in a while, like Bill Burr's wife will walk in oh, on man. his podcast, and he'll just start roasting her like he does everyone else. And I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, he's like this to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
he's probably going to roast his children, you know? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Bill Burr is, uh, I like him a lot. He's fun. Mm-hmm. So um, when you were in uh, Orange County, L.A., doing shows, are you were you able to, like, uh, make a decent amount of money doing it? Mm, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Um If you know, because you know, when you're feature, mm-hmm. you know, at best you're getting, you know, maybe forty bucks. You know, it's gas money in mm-hmm. LA anyway, because you got to drive so far. But I got to where it was at a point before I left. Uh, I was getting calls; people were calling me to book me, and I didn't have to like go looking for spots. So I was getting calls for, you know, hey, can you do this show or whatever. And so uh, that was a nice place to be at. So I didn't have to work as hard as trying mm-hmm. to you know trying to find you know trying to find places to, to perform oh, that's, that's yeah the comedy store gigs were never paid because mm-hmm. i wasn't a paid regular so i was just doing showcases mm-hmm. with other guys but uh when when i work with steve he he really really pays well as an opener so um when i i moved to texas a couple of years ago just mm-hmm. for a short term i was going to try to see if i could make something happen on my own you know mm-hmm. and i just uh legit uh, um I picked the wrong location. I should have went to Austin because you know San Antonio, Austin, right there together, and it's mm-hmm. close enough where you could really do something. But I, I thought if I situated myself in the middle between Dallas and Austin, and that I could do that. But it's just everything's too far away. Plus, I didn't have any relationships here, so yeah, that's tough. That was the that was the really hard part. It was just a huge learning curve for me. But I was here about 18 months and it just didn't work. Mm, where were you at? It was in Stephenville. Stephenville. Okay. So it's south of Southwest of Fort Worth, about an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a college town. Mm-hmm. Tried to put some shows on there. Nobody wanted anything to do with comedy. Was there a, a scene there? No, no, not nothing. Man. That was the hard part. I did. A, I put together a show in, in uh, Granbury, which mm-hmm. about half hour away. Yeah. And, uh, this great venue. They seat about two fifty. Uh, it's on the square, so you know, all these little towns have a square. And uh, and so I had my friend Tom Clark come out as a headliner, and his wife came out. His his wife is a comedian as well, so she was the opener, and then I did the feature act, and then Tom was the headliner. And great show, man! It was so much fun. We had a great time, and and uh, but this. Uh, community is very conservative i mean like super it's older it's uh-huh. an older community and very conservative so as soon as we got done with the show uh, they rebooked us for six months later so tom's gonna come back out and we we're just gonna do the same show again and uh in the interim the scribe tried to put on a like a, a variety show and he wanted to have a comedian in there and he asked mm-hmm. he asked me if i knew anybody i said i don't know anybody out here that i could you know recommend to you and he picked the wrong guy, and this guy was super blue, and blew the whole thing, and ended up we ended up having to cancel the other show. So, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, because he couldn't get anybody to sell, buy tickets. Whew. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyway, they already knew ahead of time they didn't like him. They well they they booked this guy. He he oh he they could sell tickets for the next show. Gotcha. Yeah, so the, so our show <laughs> yeah got nixed because this guy because he. Uh, anyway, it was it was too bad because that was a great venue. It was mm-hmm. perfect for com- comedy. I hit the guy up. I said, "So I got out here." I said, "Cause I was looking around to see if I could find places." And we went to Granbury. It's a bigger town. It's closer to Fort Worth. It's about a half hour from Fort mm-hmm. Worth, so it's close enough that you know it could be an evening of it. And yeah. uh, and Tom did great. Tom's Tom's uh, 
he's very versatile, so he mm-hmm. can do clean or you know, he's yeah. mostly clean anyway. But political comedy is hard to do, especially if you don't read the room mm, ahead of time. I yeah. like to, <laughs> I like to stay in the middle and just yeah, totally pump, punch left and right. Yeah, because it, it's <laughs> it's um, I don't do any political stuff. It doesn't interest me for one thing, mm-hmm. so I don't really. You know, I don't, if, anytime I, don't really I I do go political, it's very surface level. It's very just heard about this. Yep. And I don't go any deeper than that. No, because it's (laughs) nowadays, especially it's too polarizing. Yeah, absolutely. You you can, you're either going to alienate half the room or all the room, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, you know, people, people don't, can't take a joke anymore. Yeah. I mean, as far as that stuff, I mean, because I think there's, I've seen funny stuff about Trump. I mean, like mm -hmm. hysterical stuff. He, he, uh, um, he just invokes that kind of, because he's he's so off the wall. I love yeah. I love how he brings it on himself. Unplugged he is in a lot of ways. I love it. I think <laughs> it's hysterical because he doesn't care. No, like some of the things yeah. he's tweeted, hilarious, absolutely hysterical. hilarious. Because I don't know, it just it cracks me up. I just like man, what are you doing? I'm glad you're doing yeah. it, but what are you doing? Because it's just yeah. like he he doesn't he doesn't think first. He just goes for it. I I I kind of envy that a little bit, but you know. It's it's impressive, to a fault. hundred <laughs> percent because it, it does it does not help him no, a lot of doesn't. times. But people, you know, people have their you know, they, they everybody's made up their mind. I mean, mm-hmm. You're not going to change any minds on the internet. That's true. And uh, it's pointless to engage people in it because they've already you know they, like with the different COVID things you know like you know uh, all the stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people read this. I saw one this this one report that that showed the uh, the CDC. Oh no, it wasn't. It was the American Medical Practitioners, some some group that were physicians, mm-hmm. and they made uh, they had did a study on masks and their effectiveness. And the study showed that cloth masks are essentially ineffective in protecting anybody from the transmission of COVID. This is from doctors, physicians. Mm-hmm. And there's people in there fighting it. No, this is not. And I'm, you know, I'm saying the data show, I mean, this just on this one thread. Yeah. The data shows, and they should, they posted the data from this thing. You know, the, the size of the virus, you know, the microns. I mean, it's like, they're, you know, it's, it's microscopic. Mm-hmm. And the gaps in the cloth mask compared to this microscopic thing, it's like driving, you know, it's like driving a bicycle through, I don't know, the biggest tunnel you can think <laughs> of because that, that's how the difference is. Mm-hmm. So it's the cloth mask anyway. That, <clears throat> but that's just this one thing. And then somebody else will have a, a well, this, you know, but everybody made their mind. They, you know, yeah, I mean. There's there's data you can find to support any opinion 100%. on this planet. Yep. Like if I decided the Earth was flat, I could show you ten research papers. Probably well, not from doctors or like scientists. All you have to do but. is live in Amarillo. <laughs> you can see if the Earth is flat. My God, I've never seen a place more flat than this. Yeah. How are you? Uh, how are you liking it here? Um, it's okay. Uh, yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I think since I know I'm not going to be here forever, mm-hmm. I haven't really like you know latched on anything. It's but it's not, people are wonderful. Texans are wonderful. They're mm-hmm. you know, real Texans. You know, the, you know, the Californians getting here and kind of 
stir it up a little bit. Austin's just like L.A. You know, they say, you know, they have these big signs say, Austin, keep Austin weird. Mm -hmm. It's not weird. It's L.A. It's just California has moved in there and kind of influenced their eclectic ways. Because, I mean, I've been there, and it doesn't seem any more different than California to me. Interesting. That makes sense. I could see that for sure. Well, I have a lot of friends that moved from California to Texas. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know. But they're more on the conservative side, I think. They are, anyway. But, eh, you know. Yeah. I don't really care. I'm just, uh, I just do my stuff. Yeah, I don't know enough to pick a side. So it's just like, I mean, low taxes seem cool to me right now. 100%. (laughs) Give me all my money. I don't mind, uh, you know, another stimulus check. I could... Mm -hmm. We could party on that. Yeah, I thought for sure we'd have another one by now. It's uh, been a while, but hey, I don't know. I don't know either. I, you know, I don't. You know, I really don't <laughs> care. I just I unfollow people that are that are chronic, you know, rabid political posters. Either side, I really for don't sure. care. Yeah. I, I I honestly don't care what their opinion is on it because yeah, because then it goes into the conspiracy theory realm. To where it's just like those are the best man yeah, just, <laughs> i mean like rogan's things that get out there you know like there's this guy this um uh he's a christian apologist mm-hmm. i don't know if he's an apologist anyway he's he passed away a few years ago his name's chuck missler and uh he's uh he's not a he comes from an engineering background so he's not a uh he studied the bible on his own and in depth i mean like mm-hmm. And he talks about aliens and stuff that uh, it's very interesting how he uh, how he digs this stuff up and, and supports it with you know with scripture and stuff. It's pretty interesting to to listen to him talk about the Nephilim. You ever heard of the Nephilim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, My mom got me into that because I remember her telling me she's like they talk about aliens in the Bible. I was like, there's no way. What book in the Bible shows aliens? And yep. Then, yeah, it was it's like, all over the place. But it, they but, came down and made giants and whatnot. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> like a it's a weird deal and and it's completely ignored by the invid, invid, evangelical because mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it growing yeah. up. I grew up in church and yeah. I never heard of it. Well, that's the that's the privilege of growing up in a church is you don't have to read the Bible, you know? <laughs> yeah, they just tell you about it and then you go home and say, all right. All right, let's go to Golden Corral. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> the buffet. Are the, are the buffets ever going to come back? Is that, is that furs open? Yeah, I think so. Or it might have been shut down permanently. I don't know. But don't buffets know. are open because there's, uh, there's two buffets right next to me. There's that Golden Corral right over here. And there's a China Star, like oh the yeah, highway. yeah, yeah. And I thought they would both go under. I was like, "There's no way they're ever coming back." But did, did they make any? Have you been in there since they made the channel? No, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna go to a buffet for a long time. Yeah, I don't. I also just that's also a personal thing with me. It's like if there's too much food in front of me, I'm gonna eat all of it, and then I'm gonna hate myself. Yeah, so. <laughs> buffets are just weird. I always overeat. I just like that. It's just sitting out. Yeah. I mean, this is before you know anything else. It's just sitting out, mm-hmm. and it just eh, yeah. never was really appealing to me. Yeah, and long before COVID, they would uh, I'd always see news stories being like, you know, is this salad bar causing sickness? Because it sits out too long. If it sits out for more than X amount of hours, you could be getting, you know, whatever E. coli, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I've always I've always been weary of those. Yeah, I'd, uh, I don't know. My one of my worst experiences. Maybe this is this is probably. Why one of my worst experiences was at a, uh, I think it was a first cafeteria in El Paso. It's my first like real date. Went mm-hmm. on a date with this. It was like a group, you know, maybe in a church thing even. 
And this girl, uh, what was her name? I don't remember her name now. But anyway, she was she liked me, so I asked her out on this date. It was like a Valentine's thing or something. Anyway, so we're in line at first cafeteria, my first date, you know. And I'm all dressed up. And I got to the end where all the drinks are, and I got a glass of iced tea, and I picked it up, and it hit the sneeze guard thing and mm-hmm. knocked it out of my hand. And this thing went everywhere. Like and all I, over the food? It just Well, all over the counter mm-hmm. or, you know, wherever right there. It was just we we're still in line. You know, getting picking up our stuff, and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I didn't say a word the rest of the night. Really? I mean, it was awful. I mean, oh, I, I was really shy when I was, especially when it came to you know dating and stuff like yeah, that. And you weren't and, a comedian yet. No. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so that was my my experience at the first cafeteria mm. in El Paso on Hawkins Street. It's a tough experience. Yeah, it was miserable. I, she was cute too. Wow. What was her name? I don't remember her name now. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I miss the, the old school version of uh, furs where you'd go through a line. Because now that, that furs they have over here, it's just like a regular buffet. You just like get up and go scoop your food. Oh, but no, yeah, they, that, they would serve it to you. So you yeah. would like, I'd want you point out what they'd want and they would scoop it up. Because we had one like that, but that one shut down. Yeah. But now I, I enjoyed that as a kid. And I'd always get uh, bottles of root beer because I thought they looked like regular beer. Yep. I'd, exactly I'd right. I feel like a like an adult. I had a friend. <laughs> I got a friend in California that got pulled over for he was drinking a root, you know, like an IBC or something oh, like that, yeah. root beer, and he got pulled over by a cop because the cop thought he was, yeah, it's just root beer. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> what a great show! <laughs> that show is on a. I love the Neanderthal level. It just hits as far as mm-hmm. the comedy is concerned. It's just great. What a great show! Yeah. What's your favorite comedy? Favorite like movie? A, How about a movie? Your favorite comedy, comedy movie. movie? I always go with Friday, or Rush Hour Two. That was a great one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Life with uh, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I have a lot though, like Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street. I thought were really great ones. I don't have seen those. Mm-hmm. Is um, that did that have that didn't have? Um... It was uh, Channing Tatum and. Jonah Hill. No, I didn't see those. What about you? Um, well, the 70s were amazing for comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I was a teenager. So, Blazing Saddles is number one. Uh, you know, Richard Pryor was one of the writers. A lot of people don't know that. He was one of the writers. Yeah, they wanted him that. to be Sheriff Bart, but uh, I can't remember why, but he decided not to do it. And uh, so they, they uh, plugged this other guy in, but... Uh, Richard Pryor was one of the writers for for um, uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah, that guy was so funny. Have you seen uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil? Yes. Them and Gene Wilder. That yeah. was, I I didn't see that until probably five years ago. Yeah. And I, I laughed so hard. Those two as a duo <laughs> with uh, Silver Streak. They had a little run there, Silver Streak. And then, um, what was the other one? The, where they were in the prison. Um, I know what you're talking about. Um, uh, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he and Gene were, were a great comedy duo. Yeah, man, those guys were awesome. Man, they were um, Gene Wilder and uh, Mel Brooks were riding Blazing Saddles when they were uh, Stir well, Crazy. Yeah, Stir Crazy. That's the one. Yeah, that's a good movie. Silver Streak is another good one. Um, oh, when they were when they were, uh, I think I may get this backed up. Uh, transposed but when they were working on Blazing Saddles they were riding 
Young Frankenstein mm. at the same time. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Which, which blew me away when I f- heard that. But I, uh, I can't remember what interview. I like listening to interviews with people, you know, back in the day when. Uh, the concept of writing a movie sounds like so much work. Oh, my God. I wrote a, I'm writing a, a pilot for a, I don't even know if a sitcom is even legit anymore, but, uh, and it's hard. I bet. Yeah. It's got five characters and, you know, you've got to, you know, you got to bring out all these different, you know, they have their own little attributes mm-hmm. and you got to keep them consistent and hopefully they're, you know, they're contrasting enough to make them interesting and they're not all the same, you know, you mm-hmm. just have five same people. So, uh, but it may work better as a movie. Hmm. So I get it just for the, the other day. I thought, you know what? This might be better, be better off just like a one-off thing, like a movie, instead of just trying to make a series out of it. Mm-hmm. What do you um, plan on doing with it? Like when you're finished, do you have like people you want to show it to, like potential yeah. producers and everything? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you have to shop it around and uh, you know get it registered with uh, Writers Guild and then um, to protect it. Mm. So when you stop shopping it around. Somebody doesn't steal your your idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so that's definitely one thing you want to do is get it registered at the Writers Guild in L.A. and then um, and then you can shop it around. That's you know the best mm-hmm. way to do it. So it's a, a sitcom. Yeah, it's a sitcom. Uh, I'm not gonna say anymore, <laughs> just because. Okay, I was gonna ask more details on it, but it's okay. We'll move past it. Oh, that's fun. So you plan on going back to Cali? Um, still, yeah. still want to do uh, stand up consistently? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's the you know, you know, you know. I actually thought about me. You know, what if I if I stayed here a little longer and opened up a club? But it's too hard to get here. Yeah. So like, if you bring comics in, cause yeah. you have to go to Dallas and then come back. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, uh, a lot of the comics we do get coming through, they're either on their way to Denver or they're on their way to Dallas. Yeah. So they're on the way somewhere, or yeah. You know, if you really want like the bigger names, you know, if you're gonna if they're gonna fly in, mm-hmm. they have to go through somewhere first. They can't just come in. Mm-hmm. It's not a straight shot, so you can't go to. I don't think you can go to Albuquerque and then hop in over here. I don't know if you can or not, but maybe it just seemed like it was it was that was one of the challenges is getting mm-hmm. you know, to get talent here. Yeah, we had a club. I think it shut down in like 02 or 03. Yep. I never got to see it. Um, and then we have a jazz club that I think would be perfect for uh, comedy. And it just went under, but I think someone already bought it. But it's like a really long, skinny room. It used to be a courtroom. It was, oh. a, it was a bankruptcy court. Is it downtown? Yeah. It's uh, across from this place called Crush. And uh, there was a, a place called Moon Doggies right next to it, but that just went under. So like everything in that building is no longer hmm. um, operating. But... I was looking at that old Applebee's over there on, what's it called? I don't know that street. Bell. I guess it's where Bell crosses Tascosa mm-hmm. right there. And yeah. The old Applebee's there. I think it's. It's about the right size. But anyway, but, but it's just, I figured, you know, it's probably just too hard to get comics here. Yeah, it might be. I mean, it seemed like it worked for a while. Like a lot of, a lot of comics seen, did come through. There's a, you need to Google Doug Stanhope. Oh, yeah. And the it? Amarillo. Yeah, that Have blog you seen he that? wrote. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh! I, I just ran across it. I was looking for, <laughs> I was looking for you know places here, and then I ran across that blog that Doug Stanhope 
wrote about his experience with that club that was here. And yeah, wow, like what, what a story. What the hell was wrong with that club owner, man? Like, yeah. I don't understand why you would. If any of the audience, if you get a, get a chance, uh, Google Doug Stanhope and Amarillo Comedy Club. I don't remember their club, but anyway, yeah, I, it's I a saga for sure. A friend of mine sent me that like in a message, and I was just like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it goes on and on. It's like a yeah. man. And I'm sure Stanhope had enough connections to be like, hey, don't go. Don't go to Amarillo. Yeah. And that was probably what caused it to its downfall. I don't know. I'm assuming. But man, yeah, you would think because, you know, reputation is everything. And mm-hmm. if you, you know, Especially among comics. It's a small world, especially mm-hmm. at that level. It's a small world, and you really got to, you know, protect your protect your brand. Yeah. Or you could, you know, because word travels. But, yeah, um, that's always kind of been a, a thought in the back of my mind is to, like, once I do go out and make connections and have, like, comics um, that I'm close to, I could come back here, open a club, and be like, hey, just yeah. come through Amarillo. Yep, exactly. And no, I, exactly right. But I have to have those connections first, so I have to yeah, spread out first. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, anyway, there's too much competition in L.A. to, to open up a club there. This, this place is kind of fun. The Amazing Comedy Theater? See, I haven't little, heard of that one. It's just a little club on, it's on, uh, it's not even a club. Uh, it's on Beach Boulevard in Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a little, it's in a little strip mall thing. And it's a Mexican place right next door. It's pretty good food. And there's mm-hmm. a little dive bar on the other side. But it's just a good place. They, uh, uh, they have like open mics five days a week. Mm. And then, then on weekends they were doing. They just started doing book shows, so they booked a show and they booked me on one of their shows on a Saturday night. And mm-hmm. uh, it probably seats up. I don't even know how many seats. Probably seats a hundred people, maybe eighty. I may be exaggerating. It's small, but it's fun. It's a fun little place. It's got a. It's got a. Uh, it's some place to perform, and it's close. You know, pretty close yeah. to. I don't have to go to L.A. all the time. That's it's crazy to think about, like just L.A. and how many mics there are, like. You could probably yeah. hit like five a night, ten you a could, night, easily. Like, yeah. <laughs> how um, how often do comics like you know like Jesus Trejo got bigger guys like that? Like, how often do, are those guys like hitting mics? Those guys never hit mics. Never. No, mm. they're usually the big guys are always at the you know like most of them bounce between because uh, they're also close. I mean, they're mm-hmm. the the comedy store. I mean, just down the street, literally. I mean, it's like easily walking distance. It absolutely is walking distance. It's a laugh factory. It's on Sunset oh, wow. also. And then the, the Hollywood Improv is only a mile or two away from there. Man. Yeah. I didn't know it was all that close together. They're, it's it's close, close. Mm-hmm. So they bounce around between all those clubs there. The Laugh Factory is a weird place. It's not. Uh, it's a little more uh, closed, so mm-hmm. it's not as uh accessible mm-hmm. uh to guys like me or whatever right? anytime like a random celebrity tries stand up like i've seen john mayer chance yeah. the rapper yeah they've they've always gone to the laugh factory yeah it's kind of a weird place yeah <laughs> the guy that owns it uh but he he's the guy that kicked out dane cook mm. dane cook was i think he was rude to one of the servers or something like that and he said get out of here don't ever come back wow yeah this was Five years ago, pretty recent. I mean, recent, you know, this kind of deal. But he bounced back. He's, yeah. you know, I worked with him at a. This friend of mine does a show uh, called the Secret Super Secret Comedy Show, and it was in L.A. It was at the Lyric, little another little place. But it's, um, he would have like these headliners come in and work on material. They'd get fifteen minutes each, 
and it'd be like a showcase of all these guys. And Dane Cook, I did one of the shows. He let me do one of the shows, and mm-hmm. you know, you get, Dane Cook was the closer that night, and I didn't really know much about him. I mean, I, I knew of him, mm-hmm. and he's really. Um, uh, what's the word? He's got all that energy. And those guys don't really do a lot for me. I like the guys that are more cerebral. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he killed it. Wow, yeah. He was really good. I was I was really impressed. I was impressed the way he was a super nice guy backstage. And he uh, he murdered that room. And yeah, it was, he was the biggest comic in the world for a few years. Oh, yeah. He was one of the innovators as far as when the internet started kind of picking up speed in mm-hmm. the you know, early 2000s. Uh, he spent twenty five grand on a website. And this was like unheard of. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, this was back when it was just getting new, and he—that's how he got a—that's how he got a fan base was through the internet. Man, that's yeah. impressive. It's a he—he he made a big risk. He took mm-hmm. a big risk, you know, doing it that way. But it paid off for him because he was doing arenas and stuff, you know, not long yeah. after that. I knew he was really big on MySpace, but I didn't know like he was driving twenty five k for a website. Yeah. That was, Man. it was, you know, because it was still kind of new. Yeah. You know, as far as that kind of uh, being able to market yourself. Uh-huh. That guy, uh, I've seen recent pictures of him. It looks like he's gotten a lot of uh, facial work done. What's the term for that? <laughs> I don't know. No, you, I think you described it exactly right. Yeah, is that the right way to say I it? haven't <laughs> seen him in a while. I haven't seen him since that one night. So it's a few years I ago. saw someone post like a picture, like a side by side of him now and him like 10 years ago. And they're oh, like, wow. what happened to Dane? But, wow, um, man! Yeah. <laughs> Internet can be brutal, man. Yeah, oh, I mean, he's man. got he's got some classic bits that are I still find really funny. But yeah, I, he does he does get very animated. Uh, he's very yeah. Physical. He's a little over the top. Yeah, and it that doesn't really for mm-hmm. me anyway. It doesn't. It's, you know, it's not my style. But there, it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got their own thing. It's hard, you know, there's seven billion, close to eight billion now, I guess, mm-hmm. people, and you, you know, everybody's not going to like you. Yeah, everyone uh, from. I've heard Dane Cook on a podcast and he said everyone kind of thought he was a dick, but he was really just like kind of like shy and scared to talk to people. Mm-hmm. At least that's his way of saying yeah. it. But yeah. it's like he just didn't really talk to anyone because yeah. he didn't like feel like he belonged there and kind of like insecure with things. If you're not insecure, you're probably not a comedian. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing for insecure people to, to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know one Except for there's a few that are that are, like Steve Trevino is not insecure. That guy, mm-hmm. he's 100 percent confident, and I've never seen him. Hey Sue, you know even some of the guys that I've I've hung out with, there's always like a little question mark, you know, mm-hmm. kind of hang back there a little bit, but it, you know, yeah. But you just got to keep with it. And it it uh, it's overcomable. I do this thing sometimes where like I'm around like a bigger comic who I like look up to. And I'm almost like scared to approach them because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to bother them, you yeah. know? And it's like, <laughs> but they're always like 10 times out of 10, they're a super nice guy and they yeah. love to like talk with you. But yeah, it's, totally. just, it's my own insecurity. That's like, don't bother him. hundred you know? yep. percent. He probably hates people asking him questions. Yeah. I did, a, <laughs> I did a show with one guy. I don't know if I should say his name or not. I think I'll keep it. No, I'm not going, I'm going to say it. So Craig Shoemaker, if you know him or not, he's, uh, he's been around a long time. He's from Philadelphia. Super smart guy. This guy, uh, I've never met anybody intelligent-wise smarter than him. And he he does an hour and a half show every time. Mm-hmm. And he kills. Oh, my gosh. It, it's hysterical. He's, mm-hmm. he's just great. But he's not like a 
well-known guy. He's probably more of the '80s kind of genre. His uh, what's his hook? He's got a hook. It's um, oh, uh, he has like a um, kind of like Gaffigan has that guy, you know, that other voice. Oh yeah, yeah. reasoning. Yeah, have really what's high pitch voice in his head. Yeah, um, what's it called now for uh, Shoemaker? Yeah, baby. It's like um, he does everything. He, he everything the guy says. This other character, I don't mm-hmm. know what to call it. There's a there's a word for it. But anyway, is uh, um, is innuendo. Mm. So like like so like if he talks about computers, you know, well you got a big hard drive, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has this voice. Um, anyway, so that was kind of like his hook. For a long time, because we do shows, and I did a couple shows with him, uh, and uh, people would yell out for it, do the whatever the character was. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was, and he's and he had the song. He says, "Okay, we'll get to it." Okay, he was you know, uh, but he, he he engages the crowd a little bit. But anyway, so I did a show with him. He let me open for him. He was going to retire, uh, but it's been a few years now. He's since come back, but. So he let me open for him down in San Diego, a couple of shows, and uh, um, so I didn't, you know, I just assumed since I was opening, I was going to be doing like fifteen, you know, mm-hmm. fifteen maybe twenty. So we're back in the in the green room, and, the, and this friend of mine, Zach Miller, was the host of the show, and he said, "So what's the setup?" And I and I said, "I don't know." I looked at Craig. I said, "Well, what am I going to do? Fifteen, twenty minutes?" He looked at me. and He goes. You're doing seven. He says, I do an hour and a half. He says, <laughs> so I, had, I, in my mind, I'd already set up like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I had to like, you know, you were, you were show starting like in 15 minutes. Oh, wow. So I had to like <laughs> redo my set, you know, mm-hmm. for this thing. So I, I did the set and it went really well. And then part of the thing is when you pair up with him, uh, you get to sell his merch for him. So you're like, well, he's do a meet and greet you're like taking care of all this stuff mm-hmm. so it's so, okay I got that so I you know I got back there after I said I set everything out and got it all ready well his um, his phone had a square on it for mm-hmm. the transactions you know but it's his phone you know I don't mess with other people's phones unless I'm asked to so he left it back in the green room so the show's over he comes out he goes where's my phone I said I don't know and he flipped out. <laughs> he lost it. Oh, man. I mean, he was F-bobbing me. Yeah, he was right. just expecting you to have it. Yeah, just expecting me yeah. to have it. I didn't know. I mean, it, I just, you know. Yeah, I think, I anyway, probably so did the exact I, same it was thing. like pretty humiliating. Because mm-hmm. I mean, right I mean, the, all the guests are right there. Uh-huh. And he's just shredding me right there. So. Anyway, and I had to do another show with him the next night. So it was really, mm, that one go better? Uh, yeah, a lot better. I had the square. <laughs> at, remember at the, at the end, he said, "Oh, that went a lot better." I mean, he actually yeah. got you know. But this other guy, this other uh, uh, Jason Love, another comic guy, he'd worked, he had traveled with with Craig for a while, and he said, he said, he warned me. He said, "I wouldn't go. I wouldn't do it." He said because I think. He, he kind of blamed Craig for it. He said I, he ruined my career mm. because he was so harsh with him on the road, you know, just being uh, over demanding. Man, ruined his career? That's That was his perception. 
wow. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, you know, he got he was opening for Craig, and they were mm-hmm. traveling, you know, flying different places, and his he was kind of like his gopher mm-hmm. while he was while they're on the road and stuff. But he said he said I got berated so many times just for little, I mean, like little stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So he just kind of like lost his passion. Yeah, for he, it? no, uh, he just uh, he felt like it was being connected with Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know burning bridges and whatever along the way it just it he felt like he wouldn't oh gotcha yeah so yeah man but you know Craig's a smart guy and he's mm-hmm. funny uh, well, you can't take that away from him but he just has an edge to him that uh, yeah I mean man, it was tough sometimes really funny people are really crazy yeah you know? yeah you know <laughs> some of those guys are, are nuts and uh, <laughs> He's got quite a story, though. He's got like a, uh, he tells it. He tells about a story. He was doing some, some uh, positive thinking kind of stuff. You know, he is, uh, that's what his, his podcast was kind of like about that. It, was, it mm-hmm. wasn't more comedy. It was more of a motivational, you know, kind of like, you know, positive mm-hmm. thing. I don't know how to explain it other than that, but it was uh Smart guy, man. The guy I've never seen anybody that can retain information like that guy can, and regurgitate it. Nice. You know. That's impressive. Yeah. You mentioned um, you had to cut your set down. So when you um, are preparing for a show, going to a show, do you always have a, a written out set list? Like, do you write a new set list every time? Mm, yeah, because mm-hmm. usually what I do is because I, I have a. I'll use the same set because it's, it's usually a different audience every time, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. And then I'll integrate new material into the set, so that okay. it, it kind of helps expand it out. And usually it, it fits like a puzzle, so I have it, yeah, just certain things. And I and it only fits for me; it's just the mm-hmm. way I do it. Nice. So I, I know I'm gonna open with, and then um, sometimes I forget jokes. I mean, I forget bits that you know, especially new ones, because if they're not, uh, my memory's not real good for some mm-hmm. I don't know for whatever reason, and so. I, I'll forget new bits I've been working on. I want to do this bit, and I know it's gonna, you know, and I know it's gonna be good. And I can't wait to get there, and I forget mm-hmm. it. You know, I'll just completely forget yeah, it. Yeah, I'll do that sometimes too. Like I'll start a concept of like a premise that I'm really excited about, and I'll totally forget what the punchline was. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, well, I said it out loud, so now I can. <laughs> no, I'll forget the whole bit. <laughs> I, I mean, like I'll just skip right over it and go on through. Oh, and then, yeah, and then about, too. then I'm going through, and I go, you know, in the middle of my set, I'm going, oh. And I yeah. can't put it in here because it doesn't work. It doesn't fit in mm-hmm. that spot, you know. So that seems to happen to me not every time, but it's happened a lot to where it's like every every show I've done, there's like one joke that I'll totally skip over. Yeah, it yeah. does happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard for me because my memory's not real good. It's always mm-hmm. been kind of that way where I, I can remember the most obscure stuff, but stuff mm-hmm. I need to know, like you know, like my stuff that I write and junk. I mean, I wrote the thing, and mm-hmm. you think I can remember it, but. Sometimes I have a tough time. When you um, write the jokes, do you write it out in detail, and then uh, do you write, write it out on your set list, or is word, it just like one? Oh word? no! So I have a one. I have one word. Okay. that clues me in. Like if I, and sometimes it's not a word that's in the joke. It just mm-hmm. prompts me because in my mind I know it. You know, it fits the joke. So. Yeah. Steve, uh, oh no, what was his name? Greg Wilson. You know Greg Wilson? I don't. He's been around a long, long time. He's got some TV stuff. He's uh, he does uh, one of those. Uh, uh, progressive commercials. He's the the one where they're in the 
in the jungle and he's got the little hat on and whatever. Anyway, that's him. He's he's a funny guy. So he took my set list at Bray where it didn't rain one night. And he was the headliner. He took my set list. Can I see your set list? I go, yeah. And so he goes, and he was just reading off the words, you know, just the uh-huh. word thing. Oh, I said, this is good. He says, I like the way you do that. So, but he says, he teaches comedy. So he says, everybody has their own little way of, you know, prompting them. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, he ripped it up or something. No, <laughs> or, or no, like, he's, a, he's a very supportive <laughs> guy. Uh, but yeah, so I just have one word that prompts. And sometimes I try to get clever with myself and mm-hmm. then I put down the word and then it, I can't remember what what the yeah. joke is that goes with that word. I've done that before too. Do you ever, um, like during a show, do you ever check your notes like while you're on stage? Not not on a paid gig. Yeah. No. Makes I, sense. Yeah. I just, I go up there. I have it. I, I pre, I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. So uh, on mics or stuff that's not paid, I'll take notes up there and, mm-hmm. and work on stuff. But, you know, if it's a paid gig, I, I don't take notes up. Yeah, for sure. That's... I'm not I'm not Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, so that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Mitch, if you ever, I don't know. I don't want to down I don't wanna Mitch was like quite a talent because mm-hmm. his his persona sold the material. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Be, because his jokes, if you look at his jokes on their own without the persona, they're pretty they're pretty yeah. average at best. But his persona sold them. I mean it's 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 remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, that persona was something else, you know. It was. And he can get away with having a set list on the stage, you know, as a you know, he's making a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. doing these shows and he would just take a set list up there and he you wouldn't engage the audience. For a long time he wouldn't even look at the audience. Yeah, he was high out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> he was high and, and high and shy, I guess, because he wouldn't look at the people. Mm-hmm. He would just look down and you know, he was yeah. he was weird. He, yeah, I, I like him. He's he's one of my one of my favorites. No, he was he was really funny. That guy was that guy was awesome. What's that bit about FedEx doesn't know he's my drug dealer or something like that? I don't know. That's the, that's the good thing about my memory is I can't remember other people's jokes. So I couldn't mm-hmm. steal them anyway. I yeah. couldn't do them as well as I could. I've so. uh, I've been watching a, a lot of Rodney Dangerfield lately. Oh man, I love that guy. The guy's a, <laughs> this friend of mine, Joey. I mentioned earlier. Uh, Joey will try different stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of our skipper guys, and uh, so he tried a uh, um, at one of the skipper shows. He did a uh, a set that was like Roger Dangerfield, mm-hmm. kind of that persona, where just a bunch of one liners tagged into there. Yeah, and he just he was awesome. It was so good. Nice. Yeah, he, and he wasn't using Rodney's material. Mm-hmm. He was just doing, and he, and he did kind of the same. Hey, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the same kind of. Same kind of style, that and it was guy, really funny. He seems like he was never off, you know. Like, yeah, and he didn't hit it until he was sixty. Yeah, I saw that. So he was later, later in life because he like quit and became like an electrician or something yeah, for something, ten years. Yeah, <laughs> wild stuff. It's it's crazy how the how whole industry works, and I'm sure it's max crazy in L.A. It's fun. Yeah, it's you, you just can't. You got to. It's a lot of work. I mean, I was going out. Um, I was working. <laughs> I don't know how I survived. I was working two jobs and doing comedy. Mm-hmm. So I would. I was probably getting four or five hours of sleep a night, you know, on a good night, because mm-hmm. we'd be, you know, the comedy store. You know, it's an hour drive just to get there without traffic. Maybe yeah, forty minutes, yeah, forty-five minutes without traffic. So with traffic, it's usually an hour and a half just to get there. It's forty miles from where I live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then you're there all night, and they they, they do they run shows from. 
I don't know, like seven till two a.m. That place is just shows everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's a small. It's it's not huge. So, and that's seven nights a week. They're open till two, so we'd stay there. My friend Rex and I would stay there till we'd go a couple of nights a week. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I was doing comedy and two jobs for about six or seven years, and I was just. Are you exhausted constantly? I didn't notice it, yeah. but I'm sure I was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so one of them was Disney. One of my jobs was Disney, so I didn't really, rec- I didn't really think of that as a job. Mm-hmm. It's more because I work at night, so I'd work my day job, then drive straight over to Disney, and on my off nights, I'd go do comedy. Nice. Was the <clears throat> that job at Disney? Was it just constantly doing tours? Like, did you have to do? That's any? all I did. Yeah. So okay. we all nice. we all, we all rotate. So we you're in the boat for you know half hour mm-hmm. then you get out and you, you, know, you do other stuff and then you get back in after a while so you end up being in if you're eight hour shift you end up being like i think 30 35 trips in mm-hmm. the boat so that's a lot of sets yeah that's quite a bit you know so and you know sometimes you you know you can do a little crowd work at the beginning you know while they're while they're getting in the boat you know mm-hmm. just kind of feel them out a little bit because you get a, you get a good vibe you get a good f- sense of what boats are going to be engaged with you or not, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of distractions. So it's not as easy as like, you know, people come to a comedy club, their expectation is that somebody's going to get up there and be funny. Yeah. You're the center of attention. Exactly. And jungle cruise or Disney in general, you're not the center of attention. It's, it's, there's a lot of distractions, mm-hmm. even at the ride, you know, cause you're looking at animals and mm-hmm. you know, the foliage is amazing. It looks like a jungle. It's so overgrown. It's great. It's awesome. It's pretty, pretty neat, but, yeah, it's dated. Mm-hmm. You know the you know the the animatronic stuff like that. So that's why. I mean, back when it was when it was built in '55, you know, it was all new and people weren't mm-hmm. familiar with it, and people didn't travel like they do now. So that was the premise of it. it was based off an old show called The Adventures. Uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but it was a Disney show, uh, Wild Adventures or something like that. And it was like safaris. Mm-hmm. And they would just a television show about for safaris, and that's what Walt wanted to bring that to Disneyland to kind of bring the safari to the people, since people didn't travel like they do now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Disney's such a different, in a different place than it was in '55. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, like they own ESPN. Yeah, ABC, ESPN. Yeah, um, caught me off guard. I was uh, signing up for fantasy football, and I got a email from disney i was like what the hell i don't subscribe to disney and then it was like oh you're espn fantasy league so yeah they've got their i don't know how they're making it right now i mean sports was down for how long four or five months and yeah for a while and i think i don't know what's happening with nba did they cancel i don't know no they're they're back playing oh that's good it was a one day one day thing and then uh, so sports so the espn so then movies Nobody's going to movies right now. Jungle yeah. Cruise is supposed to have a movie premiere in July, but they, they pushed it out till next year. Yeah, I feel bad for anyone who's like, <clears throat> you know, any like young director, new director who yeah. had a movie coming out. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> online. I mean, it's not the same. Yeah, I like going to all. theater and sitting down at the mm-hmm. big screen. And, you know, although I like the idea of social distancing in a movie theater, I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, not a bad idea. Not a big fan of being surrounded by people I don't know. 
but but yeah so I don't know this entertainment world you know Disneyland's closed mm-hmm. right? I mentioned that before and Walt Disney World's open but it's at a real huge reduced capacity so mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah I know California as a state is taking the lockdown pretty serious because I remember when it first popped off they were like we're not opening again until August and I mean I'm sure they haven't opened anything yet no, there's outdoor dining. So they do oh, okay. outdoor restaurant. Nice. Stuff. Uh, mask mandatory. Uh, it's not like here. You know, yeah. Masks are mandatory. Wink, wink. Yeah, nobody. But I mean. Nobody cares about masks here, unfortunately. No, it's mostly, you know, it's half the. Like, let's see. I was kind of like, I kind of like survey it a little bit. Um, so like at United mm-hmm. you know it's about 60 40 60% maybe 70 30 there's mm-hmm. a few that go in there without masks I'm actually impressed with how many people in this town have put on masks yeah. I didn't think it, <laughs> I didn't think that many people would listen yeah uh, Walmart they won't let you in without one but they did uh, I was actually there today and there was a guy who was like do I need to wear a mask and then he was like or the guy at the door was like I'll give you one we have some and he goes no fuck that and he just like walked in and yeah so depends i guess it depends on who your (laughs) greeter is at the front door if they want to confront everybody yeah i probably wouldn't but you know i mean i get it i mean uh i'm not a big fan of the masks but it's a private business and Mm -hmm. they can tell you what to do it's their it's their property it's their business you know they can tell you what to do if they want you to wear a mask even if this is over you know Mm -hmm. which will never be but yeah it's yeah Walmart's just, I hate going inside Walmart every time. You know, it's funny. I, <laughs> every time I pull I in the parking lot, I'm just like, oh. Uh, it's awful in there. And <laughs> it's weird how it, it attracts a certain, I don't know, human, Yeah. I guess. Because I thought everybody in Amarillo was aesthetically challenged <laughs> until I went to Target. I realized <laughs> they're all going to Target. They're not going to walmart no man uh that well, walmart's scary that <laughs> attracts the the lower i wonder why that is I low prices why. i don't know it's not that <laughs> it's really not that you know walmart used to be super super cheap you know and now they're yeah. they're they've gotten to where they're a little bit more target-ish i guess in pricing but but i mean targets a it's a completely different customer yeah different demographic. it's weird it's i don't i don't understand i i don't i don't get it but anyway walmart's uh depressing yeah it definitely is it's always it's a rougher crowd that's for sure there's always too many people there yeah <laughs> yeah it smells weird know. it is a weird place it always has been yeah the grossest walmart i've been to was uh a walmart in midland and that's oh, wow. just a big oil town so yeah. like too way too many people in there and it just smelled weird and i was just like oh man like i was i was scared to use the restroom there Oh, I can't do. <laughs> I can't do public restrooms. I'd rather just go in my pants. I need to stop. I need to stop doing public restrooms. Yeah, there's. Just, I used to deliver for FedEx a long time ago, and it was all warehouses. Mm-hmm. And those restrooms are so awful. And I just that's when I. I developed a skill. Where I could just hold it until I needed to get home because I just. Uh, that's a good skill. Tony, man. I think I got a f- four-gallon bladder because I can impressive. go a long time. It's not a yeah. I need to uh, public restrooms are 
it's not 23andMe. There's like a test you can do that tells you like what foods react to your bodies negatively. Oh. Um, it's like a hundred bucks or something. I don't know. Anyway, I need to do that because sometimes, man, I just can't hold it, you know? Sometimes yeah. I'm just in well, a bar. Yeah. I just got to go. <laughs> well, got to go in that stall you know, with no door. Well, if you're in a bar, I don't know. If you're in a bar, I, I guess I'm a hypocrite in a way because when you're in a bar, you mean you drink a couple, you know, mm-hmm. you're three or four beers deep. You're not going to leave and then come back. So yeah. You're just going to. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I would go in a bar if I had to. No, I can hold the pee, man. It's when it's, it's when it's a number two. That's when it gets serious. Yeah, no, I've got That's a, <laughs> I've got a pretty good rhythm there. So I don't, I mean, it's not on a, I'm not on a schedule, but you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty rare for me. Very nice. Good old, you know, poop commentary. So it always it always ends up there, doesn't it? Eventually, <laughs> you get to your bathroom habits at some point. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're about two hours. Um, that's where I oh like to generally wrap it up. Yeah, wow. went, went by pretty quick. Yeah, it did go quick. Um, so I do have uh, some wrap up questions I like to ask. Sure. These are taken from other podcasts, just that I thought sounded cool. All right. So um, out of the seven dwarves. Which three describe you? That's a new question. I thought it'd be fun. Oh, that's a fun one. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I would say... And this is relevant because you worked at Disney. Yeah. So magical moment right uh, here. I've never thought about this. I've never... Uh, so who are they? There's Dopey. I would go with a little bit of Dopey. Mm-hmm. Um, but who are they? There's I got I to gotta look them up because yeah. I don't even know right now. There's Doc, Dopey, Happy... That's only three. Who are they? Who are the seven doors? Oh, Bashful. Oh, I forgot about Bashful. Grumpy and Sneezy. Okay, so let's see. So I'm going to go Dopey for sure. Uh, Okay, so Bashful, Dopey, and Sneezy. I know sleepy. Let's go sleepy. But why is Doc the only one that's not an adjective? I guess he's, oh, he's the very, leader. Is he a doctor? I uh, yeah, I I don't. He has remember. a medical degree. I haven't watched that movie in <laughs> decades. I'm not the. It's funny. I'm not a fanatic of Disney. Mm-hmm. I just worked there. So yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that just like there. One time I called. Uh, <clears throat> there's two princesses. One's pink. One's blue. I never know which one which one they are. And mm-hmm. I called this little girl. She was little. The wrong princess and her mom flipped out. I mean, she like got upset. Is one Cinderella? I don't know them either. <laughs> uh, I can't. No. Yes, Sleeping Beauty, and then I don't remember. I still don't even remember now. Yeah, I've, I've been there fifteen years. Yeah. So uh, bashful, dopey, and sleepy. It's a good. That'd be my three. Yeah, good yeah. answer. Yeah. yeah. Dopey and sleepy. Good I'm not grumpy. I'm I'm really not really rarely in a bad mood. So damn me either. And Doc, he's a little too stiff for me. I can get sneezy. Sneezy. I don't. You know, I used to have allergies when I was younger, <laughs> but <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> All right. What is your definition of success? Oh well, subjective, I guess, in a way. Definition of success. 
uh, I think accomplishing personal goals. You know, you set different standards, and sometimes, sometimes it's not always for me anyway. It's not always a calculated thing. I just have an idea mm-hmm. of where I want to be, and it's not like a specific thing. Yeah, and uh, for me anyway, it works out pretty good. Like the comedy thing, yeah, you know, I, I didn't have a specific goal when I started. And I, after I got about halfway through, I thought, you know what? I want to be one of those guys that are doing arenas and whatever. But now it's like kind of come back a little bit. And I just said, I just want to, I want to be content with the material that I write and that it's, that it's relatable mm-hmm. to somebody. Mm-hmm. And it could be. I get that. Yeah. It's, um, so anyway, so. Success at comedy, it, it, yeah. You know, I used to think making money at it would be, but I've made, I've made, I had some pretty good years where I made pretty good money at it. But mm-hmm. it's more fun writing material and having people respond to it. Yeah, that's definitely. that's really satisfying to me. I think uh, uh, I don't have like a goal of like money, fame, anything like that. Yeah. I just uh, I want to create material that like I'm really proud of yeah and that's really good quality I always tell jokes that I like mm-hmm. myself you know and hopefully I, I, I guess everybody does that but I, I just I like to tell jokes that make me make me laugh inside yeah you know? I don't ever want it to feel like a job you know like those comics you mentioned that do the same set for 20 years like yeah I don't but they just rehearse. But they a lot of them like it. They like myself. Yeah. yeah, they they like those jokes and, they, and it works for them. And mm-hmm. it's not they don't seem discontented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they 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 enjoy uh, what they do. Most of them anyway. There's a few there. That, yeah, but if it ever became work, what's the point? I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know, if it's a chore. I have a job. I don't need two jobs. Yeah, that's true. So, see the the plan originally was to like you know make enough from it to where I don't need a day job, but I kind of like the idea of just like you know having a day job, yeah. having that steady income. Yeah, because then it it kind of keeps me normal, you know, in a way. It kind of yeah. keeps me um, on a schedule to where I can plan things better. Because yeah. I mean, I was furloughed for three weeks and I didn't know what to do with myself, yeah. you know, <laughs> but just having something like a, a regular schedule, like having a job helps me schedule out the rest of my day. Yeah. That's the good way to look at it. Well, you know, comedy, especially cause it's, you know, it's a night, it's a night thing. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely, you know, balance all that. But at some point you know, like those, the bigger guys, you know, there's a lot of marketing stuff that's involved and, you know, it does become, uh, it does become your, you know, your livelihood, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, I mean, those guys get paid good money, though. Yeah, I mean, that's that'd be a great place to be for sure. There's so many good comics out there that just don't make it to that next level. I mean, mm-hmm. there's man, dozens of them that I that I've worked with that mm-hmm. for some reason they don't they don't connect at a different level. Yeah, what do you do? You, what do you think <clears throat> that um, connection is? Do you think it's like? I don't know. Stroke of luck? No, I I don't. It's not luck. All these guys put in work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's uh, um, I don't know. It, there's there's an unknown element to it that that mm-hmm. 
that makes it work. You know, I, I, I can't tell you because there's so many different guys, you know, that, you know, like there's a difference between Jim Gaffigan and and Bill Burr mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. But both those guys can fill arenas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just a different and they, they have, you know, mass appeal. But yeah. it's just a different group of people. I, you know, it's, you know, Jim is, Jim started out a little more blue way back when. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, drop, dropping F-bombs and stuff like that back in his early days. But it slowly evolved to where he is today where it's more, you know, it's very family friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got you know, he's got five kids and uh, his wife co-writes with him. So they're kind of like a team. So they oh, write wow, together. Yeah. So that's. That's a leg up too. It really helps if you got a partner to help write, you know, definitely write stuff like that. So um, I don't know. I, you know, it it helps to have you know producers and guys, you know, on the back end, you know, on the on the other side that you you don't see that that want to promote promote the comic. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. You know, like Jesus. You mm-hmm. know, Jesus is is super funny. He's a super good guy. But he had a lot of people backing him, kind of getting him in yeah. where he's at today. And he's probably like not as um, well known outside of comedy. You no. know, like I feel like a ton of comedians love that guy and know yeah. him. But like outside of the comedy world, like I think he did a a bit on Conan that went viral about Nickelback. Um, that's when I first saw him. Mm. And I didn't know he was on Conan. I think I it was Conan. That. It was one of the late shows. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a. You almost See, that, like have to have that viral moment, you know? Yeah, where, you would think, you know, like, and I have a friend that, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but you mentioned the Conan thing. Because mm-hmm. that used to be the thing, is if you got on Carson, you know, back in the late 70s and mm-hmm. the 80s. And then you got a TV gig. It was it was a good thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but not everybody capitalized on it. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a friend, Tom Clark, I mentioned before, you know, his, his lifelong goal was to get on Conan. Conan. And uh, he finally made it. But he's still the same as he was before he got on Conan. It's, he's doing the same kind mm. of stuff. So it never, it didn't like launch him into mm-hmm. a different, you know, stratosphere. It's just, a, there's just a few guys that, and it's like, you know, there's a handful that just make it to that next level. And I don't know if that's out of desire or if it's just, or, you know, if there's just a certain likability that, mm-hmm. you know, that, I don't know. I don't. It's it's kind of an unknown element. Oh, it was the. Now I'm thinking of that Conan bit. It was about Guy Fieri, and he was like, "Why does everyone <laughs> have such a problem with Guy Fieri?" It was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing that on Facebook, and it's kind of a uh, made him uh, larger. But I mean, yeah, it seems. I don't know to cross cross into that threshold of a of a Gaffigan, or a Bear, or a Chappelle. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that. It's a huge chasm yeah. that's hard to, you know, like Seinfeld. I mean, Seinfeld, you know, back in the eighties was mm-hmm. just uh, killing it, and then the show, you know, takes off, and then now he's back doing stand up again. Which is, yeah. have you do you see his last special? I haven't watched it. It's no. really good. Nice. I need to check it out. Yeah, I uh, feel like um, he still kind of uh, tells jokes as if he's like. In the eight, like it almost feels nostalgic. It's it's the way he writes. Yeah, he's got a book coming out in October that shows he he he's very systematic. Another smart guy. Um, 
the book is going to be every joke that worked on stage. So he keeps track of them it's from the 70s. Oh, wow. So, I mean, he's got like, you know, he uses the yellow tablets to mm-hmm. write on. And he's got, I don't know how many, he's, but he kept them all. He's kept all the jokes he's ever written. Wow. On these tablets. And, um, and, and then he keeps track of all the jokes that he used on stage that worked. Mm-hmm. And this book's going to, I can't remember the name of the book. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, coming out in October, and it's all the all the all the jokes that he told on stage that worked. Mm-hmm. As far as you know, wow, that's cool. Yeah, Man. so some people, some guys are real systematic, and you know, he has a he had a calendar. Uh, he used to have a calendar where he would his goal is to write every day, and he would make a red X on the day that mm-hmm. he wrote, and he went. I think it was I can't remember how long it was, it was like forever. Where he didn't miss a day writing. Wow. It's important to him. Mm-hmm. So he, when he was back in the 70s, when they were in New York, he said they would go, he said, I went 18 months without missing a night. It's dedication. Or getting on stage. They would go, They would, the clubs are real close together there. I went to New York one time and did some stuff there. Mm-hmm. And the clubs are super close together. I mean, they're like, I don't, and they're, they're small too. They're not huge. Yeah. And, uh, and they would do, you know, three or four sets a night, twenty minutes. Awesome. Twenty minute sets. I watched uh, so. Ray Romano special. Oh, on really Netflix, good. Yeah, where he walks from one club to the other. That's exactly where it is. I mean, That's, it's just right there. That was really cool. We went to both of those clubs. We were, we were a friend of mine. We did a little vagabond tour. Mm-hmm. Went to Boston, and then we, drew, we took a bus down to New York, and we had no place to stay. We slept on the floor at the dorm at uh, um, what university was that? I don't remember now. Whatever the school is in New York. NYU? No. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that was my one guess. What was it? I can't remember what it was. Anyway, this, he had a friend that was going to school there, so we just crashed on his floor in his dorm. Mm, <laughs> it's pretty cool. That sounds like a great time. It was fun, man. We had a good time. We And then we hit, hit up clubs over there. Nice. Yeah. I uh, That was actually my first time seeing Ray Romano do stand-up. Yeah. And it was really funny. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Nice. All right. Next question I had. Um, what was it? If you could make everyone in the world do something for thirty days, and everyone has to do it regardless of what it is, uh, what would it be? Ooh, everybody, huh? Mm-hmm. Everyone on the planet. I would say. I guess we could make it more specific to like everyone in the first world. I don't know. Just. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a hard question. Everybody in the world, same thing for 30 days. 30 days straight. They could stop doing something. They could, you know, pick up a new habit. I mean, whatever, whatever you want. Well, I would say... Man, I don't know. I'm not very good at imposing things on people. Um, it doesn't have to be beneficial to them. It could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything. I would say 
eat at Whataburger. They have to eat at Whataburger once a day <laughs> for 30 days. Okay. Um, Whataburger's about to start expanding. Yeah. You know, it, I worked at a Whataburger when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to Phoenix for a little bit to go to college. And the food was really good then. It's not as good now. It used to be better. I don't know what that. it is. It's the buns. or something's weird about the buns or something. But anyway, it's it's still good. Mm-hmm. I think it's way better than In-N-Out. In-N-Out's like the California thing. Yeah, I don't know why that uh, rivalry started between In-N-Out and whatever. Well, because is. all the Californians moved to Texas. Oh, and they're like, why is In-N-Out not here? Well, they just, they kept, <laughs> they kept well, now they are. They've got yeah, some they are now. Austin and Dallas for sure. And In-N-Out's not that good. It's okay. I had it uh, as a child. They're small. Yeah. I remember eating there for the first time as a kid being like, this is so much better than McDonald's. Like, why does McDonald's exist? It's way better than McDonald's. I I give you that. But I still, for some reason, have a quarter pound of cheese every once in a while. Mm. I don't know why. But also, In-N-Out has this whole, like, secret menu thing going on. Yeah. So I don't even know like, well, what I'm missing out on. You're not miss- <laughs> if you don't like Thousand Island dressing, mm-hmm. you're not missing out on anything because it all involves Thousand Island dressing. Mm. They call it spread to kind of deceive people, mm-hmm. but it's Thousand Island dressing. That's what they use in their burgers instead of you know mustard or whatever. Oh, you can okay. substitute if you want to, but yeah. like it's like Big Macs use Thousand Island dressing, right? Do they? McDonald's. I, don't know. I McDonald's. I think they do. That makes but, sense. It's kind of like this orange substance. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> but they use, so they have like, uh, so you can order french fries at in and out order french fries animal style. Mm-hmm. And that just means they've just smothered it in this spread stuff. That's oh, it's so gross. Mm. Yeah, but they have, uh, you can get a four by four, which is four patties and four slices of cheese. Uh, you can get uh, protein style. No bun. It's just wrapped in lettuce. So it's the meat wrapped in mm-hmm. lettuce. I was eating that way for a while, but yeah. decided to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Bread's good. Uh, but anyway, I guess I guess that for lack of any any deep thought, I guess Whataburger every day for 30 days. That way they can. Very nice. What'd you, what'd you say your go-to was there? The Quarter Pounder? Or, sorry, they don't have a Quarter oh, the, Pounder. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, Whataburger, I used yeah. to get double meat with cheese, and then mm. I get green chili on it. Yeah, I was gonna say I get yeah. I get the green chili double. Yeah, almost every time. And when I when I order In and Out, I I tell them no, I want mustard instead of the spread. Mm-hmm. And can you put pickles on there? And they do it. And so it, uh, it's with other than the pickles, it's very much like a little bitty Whataburger with cheese. Mm. Gotcha. Um, yeah. All right. If you could take a time machine. And go to uh, any point in your life, in the future or the past, give yourself advice. Uh, what age would you go to, and what would you tell yourself? I'd go back to be the seventies were amazing, uh, and I would start comedy then. So I would go back. Uh, I was really shy back then, and mm-hmm. and uh, lacked a lot of confidence, mm-hmm. and I would just you know have a little sit down with myself and start start earlier yeah i'm glad i started it when i did because mm-hmm. otherwise i would have missed out totally but uh if i go back to the 70s when you know when it was really kind of like where the where the 
the launching pad was for big comedy that mm-hmm. was, was back in the 70s i would definitely go back and yeah that's good advice and give that a try give that a try just the the simple act of doing stand-up has helped build confidence in like every other part of my life yes yeah, totally so, i mean yeah. i mean what are the two biggest fears uh dying and then public, public speaking, speaking. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, there's the bit like so so more people are afraid of giving their own eulogy than they are actually being dead oh so that's because public speaking is 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 top of the number list one yeah as opposed to dying so i heard somebody say that one time so people are more afraid of giving their eulogy than they would be of actually being <laughs> at the funeral in yeah that state so that's accurate that is accurate. Yeah. All right. Can you uh, remember a time that you laughed the hardest? Ooh. And it can be like any time, like when you were a child and something goofy happened or Man. watching something really funny. I'm a tough audience mm-hmm. when it comes to laughter. Um, let me think about a specific time. It wasn't childhood. I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually laughed and like it hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just the way I am. It's, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not that kind of guy. But um, I think I'm trying to think of some of the shows I did. Where I, I get the the beauty of doing the shows I do in my level as being a feature is I get to sit back and watch these other guys perform, and it's just like I can. I can disconnect myself of being mm-hmm. the performer and just be an audience member and just watch them yeah, perform. That's the, and that's the best time when you when your set's done and you can just sit yeah, back and, and enjoy to, it. You don't have to you know critique it or mm-hmm. whatever. You can just sit back and enjoy it. Um, I'm gonna say I mean, this may be surprising, but Craig Shoemaker, that guy can make me laugh, and uh, he does this bit. He does this bit about you know every kid growing up has their own machine gun sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some guys, so you know, so he'll so he'll pick like four or five guys in the front, in the front row, you know, right in front of the stage, and say, "Come on, put your guns up," and so, "All right, give me your best machine gun sound," and everybody does their own machine gun, and then he just shreds them because you know they all have, or yeah. something, <laughs> you know, everybody has their own sound, and it's true, you know, because yeah, so he'll come on, he'll get them up there. And he just and it's really funny. So that's one of the I remember laughing at that really hard because it's one of the bits, I, one of my favorite bits that he does. Does he go into like a a bit after that about that? About yeah, them? he does each one individually. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that? And then he'll he, you know, and he has he has it's a setup for mm-hmm. you know for whatever whatever gun sound they have. He has something for it. That's hilarious. Yeah, because there's all kinds of different ones, you know. And mm-hmm. you know, what is that? And you'll just start making fun of them and whatever. You know, they'll have them shoot each other. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny time. That's a good so, idea. Yeah, I like that. All right. Final question. All right. This one's deep. Could be. I don't know. It doesn't have to be. What do you think happens when you die? Well, I'm a Christian, so absolutely go to heaven. I believe in afterlife in that realm. Uh, I don't want to get too too deep into apologetics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I you know I totally believe that uh, God exists, mm-hmm. and He has a purpose for everybody, mm-hmm. and that uh, someday we're all going to meet Him. That's a great answer. Yeah, I agree. 
well that's the end thanks awesome. for coming on hey. um is there a particular song you want to play as an outro oh man a bunch of good songs I'll tell you what um how about boston more than a feeling oh that's a great one. Oh, i love that song mm-hmm. oh no i take that back don't look back boston don't look back don't look back yeah by boston all right i will look that up real That's quick um i guess tell the guests uh anything you've got coming up where they can find you anything like that anything you want to tell the world oh my gosh i am i'm on facebook you want to look me up there i do i am apolitical and I don't do anything religious or anything on my site. So on my Facebook page, Kip Two P's Heart at Facebook. Uh, I got off Twitter. Twitter's a cesspool. I just get, I hate Twitter. <laughs> so I got off of there. I just it wasn't interesting to me. And then That's Instagram. Instagram. I don't really comedy stuff on Instagram. I just post some pictures or some dumb stuff like that. But most of my comedy stuff's on on Facebook. And since we're not doing any shows, I don't have any shows to promote right now. But um, uh, I got some videos on YouTube. If you want to look me up at Kip Hart YouTube, Jungle Cruise. There's videos of me doing Jungle Cruise stuff on there as well. And there's others. There's some old sets on there that, that people posted on my behalf that I I don't really know about. So nice. Check them out. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, man.
है